For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Morning all. So we'll pass from the mirror story on an Easter uh, sunny weekend uh, to more depressing and negative news this morning. And it's like as if this wasn't expected to happen. You lift an eviction bill at the end of an eviction ban at the end of March and you sit back and you hope that nothing's going to change. Of course, that's insanity. It will change and it has. And you've been seeing it in recent days. And the biggest evidence I've seen so far is the front pages of many of the papers this morning and indeed the online coverage as well because paper after paper comes up with their own number and their own figure and their own eviction notice amount. Like the Echo this morning is saying eviction ban debate rejected at Cork City Council. There was a proposal to at least talk about it at City Council. Now, uh, that was put together, that proposal by Sinn Féin councillors and the independent uh, councillor Thomas Maloney. Came to an abrupt end yesterday evening uh, They weren't even able to talk about it, never mind vote on it. Now, as to what purpose this would serve, I have no idea talking about it at a local uh, council level. But we had the second highest number of termination notices, according to the Echo this morning. Um, served on tenants uh, during the final quarter of uh, last year than ever before. So you can only imagine now what the first quarter, <coughs> pardon me, of 2023 will be like. And the figure that the Echo has this morning is 4,300, 4, as in 4,300 notices. But the examiner says that the exodus of landlords could be as high as 15,000 uh, tenancies by the end of this year alone. So that's the highest figure when you look at 2023 in total. 15,000, the examiner is saying. The Echo this morning says, sorry, the Independent this morning says 7,000 households face eviction within the next three months alone. So the examiner's number of 15,000 for the year could be even well off if it's about 7,000 for the next three months. But certainly you're looking at at least, and I know I'm blinding you with numbers and stats, but here it is, important to say these things because 1st of April passed and it allowed landlords then to take back the power, if you like. So they're saying in the sun this morning that the eviction notices will be 300% up in six months alone. And they call it blow after blow after double blow in the front of the mail today. And I am aware, even though I was away for a few days, of um, the O'Brien tweet, the own O'Brien tweet. There was this, um, how can I put it? There was this uh, beautiful piece of art that really spoke to the times of the famine and the evictions that went back in the 1800s, particularly in the 1840s. And then, of course, one of those beautiful pieces of art was adapted to put some members of Angarda Shikana into the painting uh, featuring an eviction during the famine with members of Angarda Shikana presence. And, uh, of course, art is art, I suppose. But many people got annoyed about that, including members of Angarda Shikana, and rightly so. And a senior Garda representative um, was on air yesterday, I believe, with uh, Jonathan. Uh, thank you to Jonathan Healy yesterday, and indeed Monday and to uh, and Friday, uh, and indeed Mick Mulcahy on Thursday. And I know that uh, the Gardaí came out and said that they were very annoyed about it. Um, and Ona Bryn has come out now um, and has uh, apologised for the provocative tweet. So that makes many of the, the red tops today. But there are other types of housing, of course, in this country, as opposed to, you know, apartments or flats or three beds or four beds or duplexes. And they, of course, are modular homes. Now, the modular homes that are being built will be for Ukrainian refugees. And, of course, that gets an awful lot of people angry as well, that this could be done for war refugees but not done for Irish. I get that. Don't think it's been uh, unnoticed. Um, But they're saying now that it won't be 
uh, ready or none of them, whatever amount of them and the different places around the country that they're building them, they won't be ready until June. Now, one of the main reasons why it's dragging its feet with regards to finishing these modular homes, and my understanding was that these things would fly up really quickly. Well, one of the main reasons, according to the examiner this morning, uh, is because uh, the projects have been dogged by delays and opposition from some local communities with a number of protests uh, being uh, held outside the earmarked sites themselves. Uh, but still and all, even when they're finished, they can't let them and they can't give them to people who need them. There's an Elio Burns story in the Examiner today that says social housing units which could put, put, which could put 17 people inside them and are just finished actually in Mandeville Place um, just off on just in and around Pollardoff Road. They've been sitting there vacant and they're perfect and they're brand new and they're state of the art and they look the job and they've been sitting there nine months after they were launched with a ribbing, ribbon cutting ceremony. Nine months later after the cutting of the ribbon, still there. Nobody living in them empty. And you know what happens if you don't use things? You just let them sit there. They go into disrepair and they start to dilapidate. A uh, bit like people's budgets this year uh, because the mail this morning talking about the cost of living. I know, it's, off. it's all negative, isn't it? Is there any good news going on? Everything seems to be negative these days. Um, you know, things weren't bad enough with regards to uh, the cost of living. Um, it's gone up by another €1,200 Euro per year, apparently, because they're now saying that even if you're shopping around, right, and doing the best you can with regards to what you're buying and where, it's still hitting you, uh, even with inflation alone, around about 17% more now to do your weekly shop than, say, this time last year. That's the cost of living story that makes the mail today. Uh, but it's a very interesting one, actually, because I did a bit of a check around the building this morning as to when people had their first alcoholic drink when did you have your first drink not quite sure what it was I didn't ask the lads around here as to what that drink was so what was it lads just throw it up on the screen um, so there's a story in this morning's star that says Irish people are now taking their first alcoholic drink their first alcoholic beverage at the age of 14 just over 14 for those who are 50 plus and I hold myself from that group our average age of having their first our first drink was 17. So now it's down to 14, just over it. And in my own case, actually, I have to say that's right. I think I was somewhere between 17 and 18 years old, probably closer to 18. I don't want to sound like a holy jaw or an altar boy or anything like that. Um, but I remember it. I mean, I can remember it. It was, it was a Saturday night. <laughs> Why do I remember these things? It was a Saturday night in the pub on the left-hand side of the Arcadia, right? Oh, yeah. Way, way too old. You, you won't remember the arc. Or the Cap- you're, you're, speaking, you're speaking to the son of the Micro dad, Disney drummer. Of course dad, I'm going to know what the Arcadia is. In there, and, and, and I, was, I know, but you won't remember. Your dad will remember this. <laughs> and it was the pub on the left-hand side of the Arcadia, right? And it was, get this, it was a pint of harp. Lovely. Pint of harp. Huh? Lovely. And I thought I thought I was the biggest guy in town. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's I thought, like you I know, thought I was the coolest dude going. <laughs> when we look back, uh, you know, one of the <laughs> one of the things we always kind of take rip the Mickey out of your generation is like basically all you'd get is harp or bass or like, you know, there was no such thing as like Carlin. Car- like Carlin. Carlin <laughs> back in the day was kind of a rough punter's drink, you know? And no disrespect now to people who had their first pint of Carlin. But I always thought that Carlin was a bit common. Yeah. I thought Harp had a bit of ring to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But Har- have you ever been to the brewery, the Harp Brewery no, in no. Dundalk? Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a real, real monument to the town. Is Bass still going? Is that still a thing? Or? I think they still make it for Bertie O'Hearn. I think it's still <laughs> it's just, just Bass. Distilled, it was Smithick. 
Smith's yeah. music is still Harp, going, yeah. Curling. Uh, Ritz was a popular cider with the, the ladies. The pear cider, that yeah, one? Yeah, I don't, can't remember. No, I question. think that's still there. What else really? were they drinking? Yeah. Yeah. Bulmers oh. was a big one. Way ah, yeah, Bulmers is still going. So, so how old were you? I was, I'm under the average of my own generation. I, uh, and like you, I have very strong memories of being on holidays in Spain and uh, obviously in Spain they never they never checked anybody for, for a drink because I think it was 16 technically was the age there was never any hassle and we all we all had a very hard I had a very hardcore start to my drinking life uh, Neil I had a bottle of Bacardi Breezer and I thought I was the bees where did you get it? Uh, we, I think we bought it from the supermarket in this campsite that we were that we were in. In um, how old are you? I was thirteen years of age, and I thought, ah, oh, Bacardi Breezer. I'm on. Did I'm you, on the gargle you, now. Did I, your folks cop it? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Did they? Oh yeah, they pushed me and I broke like... down. Try no backbone at all. I just I <laughs> crumbled. It, is it? I crumbled in front of them. They knew what they knew. Something was up. Like they just know when I came. And they said, "Are you drinking?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no." And they're like, you, "You were, weren't you?" Ah, no, I never get a flake. I got, I got, a, I got an. Oh, well, no, God, I'm not going to say that word, but I got I got a tongue lashing, is what I got. Okay, so I, uh, was I, I wasn't allowed out for the rest of the holiday. That was that okay. was that. So I was 13. There, here is the holy show, though. I was you? I was over 18. Yeah, I was. I don't know why. I just I had no interest in it. I don't know. Was it my friends as well, or maybe it just wasn't a thing amongst the group? I would have been in with in school but I think I my thought you liked your Bev done I, car- we do and that, well you see that's how I started I started working in the local pub <laughs> so I started working in the local pub the summer after I turned 18 You're after my the stock, were you? yeah yeah I had a quiet one there back in the in the back room there in the stock room did you feel all grown up <laughs> was that before or after the shift <laughs> <laughs> mm, the yeah shift. I think it was the Captain Morgan's in Orange I think that was what oh, it was oh yeah very very very, very that's, yeah that's, 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 quite sophisticated yeah, maybe sophisticated. I thought yeah. Okay, yeah. so we got a we got a, a, a seventeen, an eighteen, a thirteen. Let's see what other people have to say as when yeah. they had their first drink because apparently it's a generational change now. It's fourteen, so you kind of fit into the current generation. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's trailblazer. We're, we're, we're fairly old school, you and me, Claire. Right. That's anyway, funny. text on that one with regards to your first drink because apparently it is getting younger and younger, which means that the next generation that follows. What's the generation now? Is it Z? What are they called now? Uh, I know I'm a boomer. What oh is my it? God, we're millennials. Gen X, yeah, we're millennials. Gen X. There's X, there's Y, and there's Z, but yeah. I don't know if they come in that order. So the one that comes <laughs> next after the X, Y, and the Z, they'll probably be drinking by the age of ten. The way things are going, but they are saying in the papers this morning. Um, oh, I see. There's also um, an issue regarding. Uh, an allegation of drink driving against Ian Bailey. He's denied it incidentally. He was stopped apparently going home on Sunday night. A bit of a double whammy for him but I don't know what's going to happen with regards to the case because it's uh, going to be decided by the DPP but he certainly is a bit of a gone through a rough enough old patch because he also got his eviction notice uh, last month like many other people. Um, but actually it's a story about the Gardaí because sleepy Joe Biden is coming to Ireland next week and the Gardaí who are really fed up with the terms and conditions of their work at the moment. There could be a a blue flu threat with regards to uh, the president who is uh, landing in Ireland next week. It's a huge security operation. They're welding down the manholes. So if there's anybody down there hanging around waiting for Biden, they won't be able to get up through the manholes. But there's a massive security operation in place and it has meant that all leave has been cancelled for the Gardaí for a five-day period. It's not so much about the leave cancellation that the Gardaí are annoyed about. They're just annoyed, uh, you know, about the terms and conditions and 
and the workplace that they have to put up with these days. But it's a story that makes the papers in detail. And I don't know, I don't actually personally don't think there's anything saving the Late Late Show. I think the Late Late Show's best days are gone and have been for quite some time. But I ain't got no skin in the game. But I just think that even if it is Claire Byrne, I don't think she'll be able to turn this ship around. I think television has changed so much and less and less younger people are watching shows like that unless it's the, the toy show. Everybody's watching uh, you know, stuff on, on demand now as opposed to sitting down on a Friday night or whatever. But there is a story with regards to children that says uh, if your children are getting, um, and, I, and I use the word uh, obese because I'm not allowed to use the fat word anymore I'm told but if they're getting more and more obese it could be because their sleep patterns are being interrupted and have different sleep patterns during the week to the weekend so here we go uh, when the Easter holidays and the papers are this morning telling us the research says that you shouldn't let your children up late during the week weekend they should go to bed at the same time as they do during the week because it upsets their sleep patterns so no weekend treats with regards to the kids of the weekend if you want to keep them slim. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show. Morning on Cork's Red FM. Morning on. So when did you have your first alcoholic drink? At what age and where? Text 0868104106. There's some other colour stories that I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. Uh, I promise you that. But I just want to drill on with calls. Uh, and much of them, of course, would be uh, dominating all uh, the radio programs these days with regards to evictions and people who are on eviction notices. I want to say thank you to Neve because I know she's got an awful lot on this morning and she's juggling lots of different things, but still has managed to take a call from me. Neve, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I know you're under pressure, and I do appreciate you taking the call in spite of that. So thank you for finding the time. Now, the predicament you find yourself in, I just heard a little bit of you in the news there at nine o'clock. You're, you're renting in Carrick Tool, isn't it, with the kids? I am, yeah. Okay. What ages? Um, I have a 15-year-old, 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a 6-month-old. And you, you've got your, your eviction notice. Were you, you were expecting it, were you? The clock was ticking all along. Always, yeah. Last May, I'm told. Last May, yeah. Which means that since last May, you have not been sitting on your hands. You've been looking. Oh, all the time. All the time been looking everywhere, um, trying to secure something here in Caratool, even Middleton, Cove, Glanton, and and within the surrounding areas as well. Okay, just hold on there. I just want to hear a little bit of a clip that you did with Paul Byrne yesterday on Virgin Media News. Have a listen to this, guys. With just weeks to go before she's out of her home, Neil O'Connor is at her wit's end. I feel like I'm screaming from the rooftops and nobody's listening. Um, that Mab's at, you know, the girl, she's swimming and she's screaming and um, that's how I feel. The mother of five says she's at a loss as to where to go next. Nowhere. A guard station. Um, a homeless accommodation. I went to Cork County Council to register for homeless accommodation and they told me I could be put into a hotel or a B&B anywhere in this country. Anywhere. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Not a hope in hell am I putting my five kids into a hotel room or a B&B anywhere in this country. Both Neve and her husband, who are working full-time, say people shouldn't be afraid to voice their concerns. Uh, in the eyes of my government, I have enough to be able to supply a house over my kids' heads, and I don't. 
and I don't. But I go to a bank and for what the bank would give me, I wouldn't buy a shed with. Property agents say the future is bleak for renters. Anyone who's moving out of a rental property is really only moving because they're leaving Ireland. There's no one moving. A very, very small number maybe who have purchased a home and they are releasing a two-bedroom apartment, a three-bedroom house, but on such a small scale compared to the need that's there. Someone has to step in and take charge, says Niamh. Otherwise, families will go under. Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News Corp. Yeah, and that is right. People are not leaving the properties they have unless they're leaving the country. But what is happening is more and more are coming into the country and a lot of them to work for the big multinationals. And you're also looking for property alongside them, Niamh. So it's a, it's far from ideal. But is that what you were told, that you could get a B&B or a hotel, but it could be in any county in Ireland? She said, she said to me, she goes, um, I can't guarantee you to be in around East Cork or Carrickchool or any form of that direction so that I could keep my kids in school and I could stay in work. Yeah, yeah. Because both of you are um, working, right? You're both holding down jobs. Um, yeah, we're not married or anything, just to, just to that, clarify that, that. That has nothing to do with it. You are working to put that roof over your head and to put the rent money on the table. Yeah, yeah. And did you, yeah, did you view many properties? Uh, I think in total it was like 20 maybe, in and around that direction. There was a lot of them in the countryside. Um, they weren't in estates and things like that. Um, there was a few in the states. And what was, was it like when you would go? That I actually went to view, and I wouldn't put a dog in. That bad, yeah. You know, so I, I like point blank refused. I'm not going. I'm not going putting myself or my kids in a sub substandard living accommodation or having that type of a lifestyle meal. And the ones that were in rag order, what kind of money would they have been looking for them? Eighteen hundred euro a month. Yeah, and probably would get it from someone desperate enough to pay it. Were there many and others viewing? Other were, yeah, yeah. And Cork County Council will pay pay them money. Like I'm not entitled to half or anything like that either, unless I get my forms into Cork County Council and I'm accepted onto the housing list. Mm. Um. So, like, I would have to be paying that money myself. I've paid €170,000 in rent in this house in 11 years, and not one government body or a bank will take that into account. One hundred and seventy grand. That is a fantastic credit rating. And I, this house here that I'm renting is worth 275000 You've paid one hundred and seventy grand off that mortgage. For the landlord. So, so, like, give credit where credit is due. And, and I am apt. I woke up now this morning, Neil, right? Um, I'm quite upset right now. I have a very, very sick baby here at home. I had to leave work early as well last night to come home to work. Um, something's going to have to give. And I hope to God it's not people's lives. And uh, yeah, people. Yeah, and listen. I know what you know? you're saying because people. For many people, it could be the last straw. You know. Yeah. It's, it's it, not it's as if the straw that broke back Yeah, and and did you did you ever try and buy the house that you're in? Would that have ever been an option? No. I tried to buy it. Yeah, through the rebuilding Ireland scheme. Yeah, and uh, this landlord outbid us. 
and the council wouldn't give us the extra money to buy it. So we couldn't overextend ourselves. <laughs> we we weren't allowed to overextend ourselves. You tried to buy it, but what was the reason for it being sold? Uh, the vulture fund that owned it beforehand was selling it. So the council actually bought, there was a portfolio of 12 properties, I think between 12 and 15 properties, um, and the, 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 the vulture fund that had it at the time done a massive, tried to do a mass eviction, um, which is against the Terrell's Towns Agreement Act. Um, but people, people didn't want to speak out. People didn't want to fight. I fought. Um, so I refused to leave the house and I told the estate agents that were in charge of it, sell the house with me in it. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of made a bit of a fuss then. That's why I'm still in the property. That's why I tried to buy it. Um. But you were outbid, was it? I was outbid, but Cork County Council brought, bought that portfolio. So they own the properties now? They own the properties, where am I one? Good God. So they bought them from the Vulture Fund, um, yeah. no, knowing that by doing that, um, you, they, but wh- why are they now? Do they then sell them then, subsequent to that? Um, no, no, there's all, all council tenants now and they're in the property. Okay. So if it's council owned, why do you have to go? I, no, I don't, like, they don't own this one because I wouldn't move. The okay. council wouldn't buy, buy this house because I was in it. Right, okay, okay. If I, if I moved out, they would have bought it, I'd say, no problem. Yeah, but you would have had nowhere to go had you moved out. Back then, two years ago, no. Yeah, I think, I think um, an awful lot of people are deciding to stay and to ignore eviction orders, aren't they? It's, yeah, and it's not that clear. Like, this whole situation, Neil, is not clear-cut by any means. It's not black, white or grey. Um, there's so many different roads that are going to lead into the one bubble. Mm. Um, landlords are victims just as much as tenants are right now. Mm. I honestly do, from the bottom of my heart, feel for landlords that are genuine landlords because my landlord was is lovely. Mm. But once um, and for what? Once and for a, for a family member, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, All right. Well, that's yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. And when you would yeah. go to view the other properties, would there be many other people waiting in line to go in to see them? Oh yeah, there'd be twenty, thirty people. Of all ages and all backgrounds. Yeah. Okay. Right. And why would why would why would you never get? Even though you're both working, why, why would you not get an offer? Is it because you have children or what? Um, I don't know. Um, I pulled up to the property and then you'd get talking to one or two people in the lane and they're the same as me. Yeah. They're the same as me. I'm wondering, is there, any, the... I'm wondering is there anyone in those lanes who are representing um, a pension uh, portfolio or a vulture fund or a, a, a company that's going to outbid everybody else you know I've, I've heard of them being in the line as well they have a representative who will pay above the odds and just outbid you by maybe 100, I, 200, 300 a month I, I've, and I've yeah I've, I've seen that and then I've, I've went to other properties to buy them and when you've been doing the, the walkabout at the house and the open day and the showing 
um, these vulture fund people. You yeah. can actually, I can actually now spot them a mile away. How do you know them? How would you spot them? They're not anyway interested. They're stuck in their phones. They have a couple of a nice kind of chunk of piece of paper in their hand. You can just tell. Smell, you just get their, the vibe, their yeah. smug, smug kind of attitude, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as yeah. I say, I actually don't care if there's um, a bit of structural damage done to this or it needs new new windows or the bathroom needs a complete refurbish because, you know, I'm just going to pull out my money bags and buy it anyway. And they're actually going to buy those properties. These are ones that you went to look at to buy. How much of a mortgage would you have been able to get? Um, I think in total, when myself and Christian were together, we were getting two or five. Should get nothing with that. Two or five or two fifteen. Yeah. Get you one, get a shed, Neil. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get over you the know? figure of one hundred and seventy thousand in rent paid for the house you're in. Yeah, that's one hundred and seventy grand. That's now gone down the drain, if you like. Yeah. So I, I, I'm every you know all these little comments like up the creek without a paddle. Um, all these kind of Simmons, I'm, I'm pulling out a fresh air there. That's it. They actually all relate to me right now. Okay, so you're actually over your eviction notice date now, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, and what are you going to do? Um, wait for a solicitor's letter to come in the door. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, wait for the PRTB board to do something, wait for courts. That, that'll drag it on for a considerable amount of time, but it won't take from the anxiety and the stress and the worry that you're suffering, though. No, sure. I, I'm um, genuinely, right? These people here in Carrickool, oh, my God, what a community. And I'm, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I had to leave work and everything last night, Neil, because I actually couldn't deal with the stress. Of course not. And my boss, my boss came in, she was like, Neil, you're okay. Pull yourself together now. You're okay. Get your coat, get your phone, get your keys and go home to your baby and we will talk again tomorrow. She's brilliant. So tomorrow is another day. Yeah, she's brilliant. She's, she's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Even, even all the people here in Cartoon. I don't want to leave her. I moved here 11 years ago to start my life. And society... Well, it's not society. It's people running this country are dictating to me to tell me where I should live, how I should live, mm. how much money I should live that life with, mm. what type of house I should live in, and how I should raise my children. Did, did you ever think of just getting out of this country? Oh, running. If I could pack my back. We were leaving in... We were going to go in 2008, <laughs> and we didn't. We should have. Um, I have friends that live in Australia, and what a life they're living. They have no stress. Did, did, they go out every day to work. The kids are educated properly. They are having a much better life. I mean, they may well be lonely and missing home, but there are a lot of upsides to it as well. And yeah, that's why so many... Their standard of living is beyond, beyond, I think, anything that Ireland can dream of yeah. within the next 50 years because of what our government is squeezing us to be, to be, and we have to be. Um, because nobody's living in this country, Neil, we're only existing. Yeah. And I hate and, and I hate dealing with stories like this because it is so negative all of the time. But it has to be talked about the 
the crises that people find themselves in, like you, with very young children, and again, mm-hmm. you know, you know, stretched, but still able to pay your bills and your debts, but there's just not availability for you, you know? No, I, I don't have one debt over my head. Um, my gas bill is paid, my ESB bill is paid, my rent is paid, I have food in the cupboards, in the fridge, all my kids' school activities are paid for. I save when Christmas finishes. I start saving again for Christmas. I know. You know? I know. I, know. I have my savings. I, you know, I, I, I know. I'm not lavish. I know. But, you know. Yeah. Um, and you did all of this without any assistance at all. No HAP, no rent allowance, nothing like that. You were just getting on with your life yourself, working, rearing a family. A typical yeah. example of people who now find that the rug's been pulled from under their feet. So you're just going to sit tight, but you're only treading water until a solicitor's letter comes in, a PRTB st- hearing starts, mm-hmm. uh, and and then... Well, I'm going to have to get on the council list um, yeah. all along, all along. Like, Good luck with that, yeah. yeah. My, my, like, myself and the kid's dad, we live together. Yeah. Um, but we live together for financial reasons. Yeah. Um, like he pays the rent here in the house because otherwise I wouldn't be able to be here. Um, he can't afford to pay the rent on another property either himself. No, so you it know works. he has to yeah. be here. No, it works. It yeah. wor- all works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We co-parent, great friends. We 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 get on with the situation. Um, our kids are happy. You know. Um, it's it's probably too late now to upload. Um, four children. It's four, isn't it? Five. Five, my apologies. Pack no. your bags and go to Australia, is it? 15, 11, 10, 3 and 6 months. Do you know what now, Neil? Because this has taken so much from me, I don't know would I have the mental capacity to do this. I don't know, the mental energy to, to pack up and leave and go. If somebody would do it for me, mm. not a bother. Wave a magic wand and just be there. Yeah, if somebody took all the paperwork now for me and done all the running around and the phone calls and the emails, I would. Yeah. Because yeah. do you know what my three-year-old said to me yesterday? What? Mommy, you haven't sat down and played with me in a long, long time. And why is that, Neil? Yeah. Because I'm constantly on my phone. I'm constantly answering emails. I'm constantly looking on daft and property and... Things you know, I there's nothing on daft. There's nothing. There's nothing. There. Yeah, nothing. And I'm like, I know, baby. Two minutes now. Two minutes. I know. And she's like, but mommy, come on, please, 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 because I'm at home all day with the kids. I, I have a toy room. I sit down in the toy room. I play with the kids and everything else. And lately, I haven't. Oh, we even texted to a three-year-old. No, you shouldn't even have to have that you know? conversation. I know. I know. I know. I know. You're going to keep on fighting, though, and keep on trying, keep on... I have to, to, to Neil, and you know what? Me sitting here now in the kids' toy room, <laughs> um, I have tears streaming down my face between sheer anger and sheer sadness, um, but they've poked Mama Bear. What does that they've, mean, though? I mean, what, what have you got left to fight with? Oh, I've been... I find it because you know why they're my kids All right, girl. and I love my kids and um, there'll be nobody on this planet earth do anything to harm my little chickens and that's it okay okay do stay in touch Neve, you know and if I hear anything I'll be back to you but 
do stay in touch. Difficult and all, as you find yourself worrying all you. of the time. But thanks for taking the call this morning. I know it's. Uh, I know and it's can a I tough actually say for thanks very much to uh, the people of Cork because since this kind of went on its own little on on its own road, um, people have been messaging me, and oh my god, people of Cork are amazing. Yeah, <laughs> but they're angry too. I'd say. I bet you they're angry. Oh, they are. Yeah. They, they are angry. And can people that are in the same position as me please speak out? Please fight. Because the only way that we'll actually get change around here is by making noise. And if we don't make noise, change is not going to happen. 5,000 and an increase for Cork County Council. That's not enough yeah. for yeah. the housing thingy. Yeah. Wages have to go up by that alone to come to be in comparison with the the standard of living yeah. and the inflation and everything. Yeah. So they take they take from with one hand and give with the other. Yeah, unfortunately, the, unfortunately, the work is being done by those. Supposedly, the work is being done by those who do have a roof over their head. You see, so it's not going yeah. to impact on them because there is no pain. Listen, I appreciate you taking the call, Neil. Stay in touch. Thanks so much for chatting with me this morning. Good luck with everything going forward. All right. Thanks a million, Neil. Thanks oh, so much. Take care. Take bye. Care. Bye. Thanks, bye. Thanks to 0868104106. And Neil was right. Uh, people do need to speak out, and we're listening. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. So Zara King uh, on uh, Virgin Media News tweet last night uh, the story of Alan who has €1,900 Euro a month to spend on rent but still can't secure a home for himself and his two children. 1900 he can spend on rent, can't get it. 47-year-old single father says he has purchased a high-quality outdoor clothing and a tent. He's purchased high-quality outdoor clothing and a tent. He believes that sleeping on the street is now becoming a very real possibility for himself and his two children. And that's another case just like the story we just heard from Niamh. Somebody who is working, uh, isn't claiming anything, is willing to pay and do the right thing, put a roof over a family's head and pay the rent, and he could put 1900 on the table every month for rent, but still can't find anywhere. Back to the phone lines we go. Text 0868104106. Let's Tony, good morning. Morning, Neil. My apologies for holding, but you unfortunately are looking at this through rose-tinted glasses back in the 1970s, my man. Long time ago, 50-odd years ago. Yes, and I'll be honest, we had, uh, we had a system that came called the Housing Finance Agency, which helped people like myself. We were off the threshold of the corporation, but we weren't earning enough to get a mortgage in the bank. Right. If you were, if you were, because the corporation were building houses back then, right? Well, but they bought a private house, but it was a, it was a, it was a scheme set up by the government in the seventies and eighties, the housing finance agency. As long as you were employed, you paid twenty percent of your income as a mortgage, and even if you lost your job, you paid twenty percent of your income. I still have the criteria actually in the attic. That, 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 that as long as you were working, you qualified for for a mortgage. Right, I, but I, was asked, I, I went in with my wife with two P60s and within one hour, within one hour, no, there was no mobile phones at the time, within one hour, I was told to come back to the office and I'd, I'd know if I qualified. And we were told in one hour that we'd go on a bridge and loan with the TSB and Cathedral Road at the time that we our mortgage was sanctioned, but we'd be waiting three or four months because the cheques were paid out in trenches every three or four months. We'd get okay, and who was this meeting with? It was, it was on in there. 
the city hall. Right, so it was a corporation. You went in to meet the corporation, and who? Where? It where was the corporation? No, it wasn't the corporation. It wasn't the corporation, no, but they it, they were the people that set this up. Yes. Okay, but whose property were you buying? I was buying a private property in Silver Heights. All right, and who paid out the who paid out the purchase price? The, the, the housing finance agency. Right. Okay, and you paid them back twenty percent of your of your wages every week. That's, and it, it, it was and, and it's, it was between thirty and fifty years at the time was was the mortgage. Right. And where did you get the house? Up in Silver Springs. It was on it was on the paper for sale at the time. Right. But Neil, what, what if you lost your job? Time? What if you lost your job? Well, you were paying twenty percent of your of your, your social your welfare. Routine, social welfare. Right. But that's there was thousands of people at the time used that scheme, and that scheme was disbanded in the early nineties because it done its job. It was working for people and was taking money away from the banks. This is all about the banks and cronyism. That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. But I know. honestly believe that the, the banks are on bid by the government. Neil, if we rewind so the talk... So were you saying that it was the banks told them to stop this nonsense It was I costing so. the banks money? I think so. I mean, when you look back at history books, we, this will be proven in the end. The last time Fianna Fáil and the Greens were in power, the country went bust in 2008. People forget... There was no houses built from 2008, probably to 2015 or 16. Fianna Fáil caused this. Uh, I thought, it was, a, I thought it was a global meltdown, a global finance meltdown all over the world caused that, 2008, so, 2009. Well, like we were told at the time, anybody that was talking, no, the economy should commit suicide by, by our Taoiseach at the time, who's now looking to be the president of the country. Like, like oh, oh, really and truly, how are we taking it? How are we taking it week in, week out? You tell me. You tell me. What's the alternative? Really and truly. Well, the alternative, the alternative is, for anybody who's got an eviction notice that kicked in on the first day of April, that they should ignore it. Uh, that's, you took the walls out of my mouth. Unless the people stand up together and people power can win. We did it with the water charges. We can win. But the government are so detached from reality. Michal Martin, a cockman. That man is an embarrassment. Simon Coveney. Useless, Michael McGrath. I don't even want to go there. I, I always thought Michael McGrath was a genuine guy, genuine. But I tell you, he's in with a crowd at the moment, and I tell you, I pity the next generation. They haven't got a hope. We just haven't got leadership. There's no leadership. Ah, but sure, the next generation won't be here. They're leaving. They're leaving yeah. in their droves. All sorts of different but, professions are just vacating the property. But like they're, they're, they're on about uh, tenants institute at local authority by the house. Two of them, I think, they bought in court. It's rubbish. Two of them. If the government was serious about all of this, they'd set up a national bank, primarily only for mortgages. Okay, so you have a national bank then that gives out mortgages to people that qualify. There are no properties to buy. But if money was made available, Neil, there's private houses being built. Up, I'm up in Dublin Pike and there's private houses being built all around me. There's a plan to build 600 houses in Bellevue the infrastructure is going in at the moment. Private. That's a private estate, isn't private? it? Private. But yes, but if people had, if people could get money to buy a private house and pay it back, not 20 years, you, it cannot be done on the wages at the moment. But if it was done to second generation to finish off the payments on the house between 20 and 50 years, to make the legacy of the other Kelvis on the radio, I might have cause out her. She could afford to buy a house. But do we need? To, do we not need to start looking at maybe the fact that we don't need to own our homes anymore? That renting, as long as you've got security or tenure, is fine and much more affordable. No. Until something happens, like happen, no. 
where, well, assuming that that would not be allowed to happen, that the law would be there, that you would be able to stay for the rest of your natural as long as you were paying the rent. But there's no guarantee because we could have something like the COVID again in 20 years' time and the whole thing could close down and the next thing, landlords want to get out. And as Niamh said, you can't can't make a landlord leave you in a house. You can't do it. It's impossible. He, He owns the property. You can't make him leave somebody in there. What about if somebody doesn't pay the rent? You know, you like if somebody could own something, they'll have an interest in it and they'll, they'll respect it and they'll mind it. True. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's your house. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, I mean, there would be a proportion of those eviction notices that kicked in on the 1st of April would be against people who weren't paying rent or they were crap tenants or whatever. I understand that too. Like I wrote to the government, Neil. I wrote to the government. I wrote to Michael McGrath whether he got the letter and he explained my rationale behind a national bank that would charge a half a percent above the ECB rate just to cover administration and somebody in an office to give out the loans and to check that it's been paid, so on and so forth. Did you get a response? Not even, not even a reply. Okay. Because you know why, Neil? It made sense. Okay. And what do you, what, just finally, because I'm under pressure for time, what do you make of the um, the uh, Ono Bryn tweet using an old um, famine eviction? Yes, I, 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 I think it's a huge mistake on his behalf. In I what way was it? Like, as in offensive to Gardy or what? Well, I was watching internet coming on in the news and she says it's kind of all forgiven, but I don't think it is. Like, that's the second biggest mistake, Sinn Féin, when, when you saw the last one up the rear. But when, is, he not, when, is he not telling the truth that ultimately on Garda Shikona might have to be used to forcibly remove people from well, they shouldn't be used. They shouldn't be used to evict somebody from a property. Okay. They're okay. an arm of the state, but like, like if, if I'm in trouble in the morning, I the girls. That's a different scenario. Like, if, 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 if my cow's broken, I'd ring the girls. But if there's something else... The but if there's a court there. order against you, you've gone through everything, you stayed in the property as long as you could, and you eventually went to court or were brought to court, there was an eviction notice, and the courts enforced it, the judge enforced it, and you then refused to move, would it not mean that Angarda Shikona would attend the property to help remove I wouldn't you? Think, I wouldn't think so. I don't think there should be allowed. Okay, okay. I genuinely okay. don't. I, I, I think they have enough to be doing without getting involved in private matters. If a landlord wants that, to they be, that they should not become eviction bailiffs for the state. That's exactly what I okay. mean. Okay, okay. Thanks for that. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Just staying this side of 10 with some comments in relation to Ono Brin's um, retweeting of that uh, image. Shirley says, telling the truth and showing the world what Ireland has become, he couldn't have posted a better picture. Margaret says, the government should be building houses, not always targeting other parties and other politicians. Uh, shows you what they spend their time doing in the doll instead of working. Angela said, we live in very sad times. Uh, it's frightening for some people. The housing crisis is a national emergency, but not being treated as such. Now, should their eyes well off the ball, isn't it? Don't think this tweet is aimed at the Gardaí, says Suzanne. It's the government who make the laws. It's about time the truth was told. What is offensive is the total lack of positive action to make decent housing available to all and affordable, including making it viable for one-off landlords to rent out and make a bit of profit. After the tax and the mortgage and the maintenance fees and the insurance, so many landlords have to charge these crazy monthly fees just to break even. I'm not so sure about that, though. I mean, like, in fairness, uh, you know, uh, they're the same kind of fees that would have been uh, there, you know, with the um, mortgages or insurance or maintenance 
five years ago, but rents would be substantially more now than then. Um, anyway, she says there are thousands of empty properties left to rot. They've had decades to enact laws to make owners modernize properties. Uh, so instead of the tweet being offensive, get off your backsides and get the emergency measures needed to help people. Um, Bernadette says this is what the government is subjecting people to history repeating itself. Why are the Gardaí sent to evictions? It's absolutely shameful. Uh, the government is well past its time. Change is needed. They have our country destroyed, says Frank. Another few. Peter says, why is the government minister criticising an opposition TD for sharing an image on Twitter that his own people are solely responsible for creating in the first place? It suggests to me that the only people allowed to speak are the government and their supporters and no one else. And Paul says the truth is a bitter pill to swallow for government. Unfortunately, this is a site which will become familiar over the coming months with the ending of the ban. Ministers drawing all sorts of conclusions from this picture is ridiculous and a reflection of how touchy they are about the end of the eviction ban. Yeah, but what did they expect if they you know, decided, OK, March 31st, the eviction ban will be lifted and sure, nothing's going to change. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Not so. We'll pick up on that and lots more besides after 10. So do text 0868104106. Niall says if the Gardaí had such an issue with the illustration, then they should have come out and stated that they will have no involvement in helping private companies with any evictions. Um, Anya says that photograph of that picture should be shared all over the world. This is not just an Irish issue. The cops all over the world have arrested people for standing up for their rights. Uh, And Ellie says, people couldn't afford food. We're frozen most days with the cold because people can't afford heating and we're getting evicted from our homes. Is this not the famine of today? It sounds fairly accurate to me. Back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Now, The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. In other news, it's a big anniversary day today. Got a lovely text in saying, I'd love you could please give a big shout out to my mum and dad, Eileen and Peter Brown, who are 70 years married today. They're from Mount Carmel Road in Greenmount and we're having a big celebration this Saturday with the kids, the grandkids and the great-grandkids. I can't tell you how many grandkids and great-grandkids they have, but we have family even coming home from Australia. Lots of love from all of the children, including Christine, Noreen, Tony, Evelyn, Bernice, Finbar, Vivian and Gwen. So happy to read that out and happy to wish a 70th wedding anniversary to uh, Eileen and Peter Brown and enjoy the big family celebrations on Saturday with even family coming back from Australia. you got to wonder when you hear of a story like that with kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. How many of them, when they grow up, will stay in Ireland or will be forced to leave like so many others? Uh, Many texts on this. They're driving landlords out of the market, didn't you know? Which in turn is contributing to the housing crisis. Why aren't you media questioning them on this? Um, Well, I mean, the only way you kind of get around that really or coax people into that kind of a market, even if there was property to buy for them to become landlords, would be allow them to, what, let the rental income be tax-free? This government is supposed to work for the people in this country and to protect our children. A lot of people are on their knees sharing their stories on your radio program, but the government doesn't blink an eye on the matter. Government policy has been failing people for years. Anyone who voted against the eviction ban 
should be known as murderers. Sorry, that should be anyone who voted for the lifting of it, I suppose, should be known as murderers if one person dies on our streets in the coming months or years. Um, the country, Neil, needs to be brought to a standstill and not peacefully. So it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I wonder do others think that really what is needed is um, a national party, maybe, of all political parties coming together as one or maybe a general election but they don't seem to make much difference do they to Neve that was on the air Neve mentioned going to a Garda station I'd advise anyone in a situation like hers to go and stay in the constituency office of your local government TD says Bobby um, she paid 170,000 euro to the landlord in rent for the property did Neve but you can be sure Neil, that the state took at least 70,000 of that so you need to be totally honest. Yes, there would have been, a, a, you know, a taxable income there as to whether it was 70 grand. I don't know. But, you know, I'm not, not disputing that. Would You're right if I gave the impression that that was pure profit. It certainly wasn't. It's heartbreaking listening to Neve. I hope Michal Martin, Michael McGrath, Simon Coveney are listening to this. They are the ones that voted for stories like this to happen. Let's not forget that Enda Kenny's coalition government went out looking for these funds to buy the distressed assets back in the early 2010s. They bought these assets at a huge write-down, made good returns on the investments, and now they're going to win again by selling on the assets. Uh, not everybody is kind. Niamh should have thought about her housing situation before having five children. A large number of people put themselves in this situation and then they expect a perfect world to live in. Um, self-pity won't sort their issues. I take umbrage to that, actually. I think that somebody who uh, is working or if two people are working in the family and they're paying their way and they've food in the fridge and they've a roof over their head and they're paying their rent and they are no burden to nobody, I believe that they should be allowed to have as many children as they want. You were talking earlier that the Late Late Show has run its course to fill that slot, put on the Muppet Show and the doll instead. And Niamh, that was just on about our family eviction, my heart goes out to her. Great show, says Mossy, the postman. And there's many more texts like that, which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning. So keep them coming, text 0868104106. One of the stories, let me just grab it here. One of the stories that I mentioned earlier on was different figures and statistics that were being given. The Independent says 7,000 households will face eviction within the next three months. Remember I was telling you that the examiner this morning says that it could be at least 15,000 tenancies by the end of this year. Um, They are talking about it in all of the papers this morning. The Echo has it also, where they're talking about the eviction ban debate uh, that never happened at Cork County Council. Sorry, Cork City Council. What difference councillors sitting around debating something in City Hall will make is beyond me, um, apart from just an opportunity to waffle uh, or to... uh, have a snide remark at somebody in the other party. But yet this is what they were trying to do last night and Elio Byrne was there with Tripe and Rasheen. It didn't happen, incidentally. Ellie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, okay, so as, as to what difference it would make in... Uh, uh, anyway, it would make, would make a blind bit of difference, but they wanted to talk about it anyway, did they? And this was a Sinn Féin motion, was it? Yeah, this was the most bizarre council meeting I've ever sat in on. It was really short, for starters. The whole thing was done and dusted in 25 minutes. Uh, My understanding is that uh, several councillors, I think five is the minimum, that signed up to call for a special meeting uh, just because... So they have a, a a, a housing strategic committee, but that's not a publicly accessible meeting. That's just an internal meeting. 
And the idea was that they had a special meeting of this housing committee to strategise for what was going to happen and to examine what was happening uh, after the eviction ban and to see how they were, you know, what the situation was for for their emergency housing and that. And uh, that they held that meeting and then uh, a group of councillors wanted a public meeting specifically for the purpose of sharing on that information. But it just descended into this really weird situation where... Uh, a kind of a, a vote was held on whether or not they were allowed to debate something and the vote was not carried. Uh, the Fine Gael and Fianna Foyle councillors voted against debating this motion that had been... That 13 had been voted by. against it and 12 voted for it, so it lost by a vote. Was there a it casting vote in that? Uh, well, I mean, clear, clearly, um, you know, the Lord Mayor uh, voted against the debate as well. Um, and so, Fine Gael, 13, being a Fine Gael councillor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so 13 councillors didn't want to, to have this debate, but that was just, just, that was only on whether or not they could have the debate about this motion. And the motion was to write back again to the housing minister and, and to, I think I have the wording here, I think that the, what they wanted to do was, uh, say that Cork City Council reaffirms its stance on the need for an extension on the eviction moratorium uh, and will write to the Minister for Housing pressing for legislation to reinstate the ban immediately. But this is so what this the likes of Sinn Féin want. Now Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil councillors would never vote for that because they voted for the lifting of the ban. Do you know what I think one very interesting thing we're seeing here is a very big division between national and local uh, policies and national and local democracy because the problem is is that you know TDs can 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 vote for a lifting of the moratorium but it's the local authorities that are going to be cleaning up after that and are going to be actually faced with the the issue of trying to deal with families and to deal with individuals so do you know of you know? do you have any statistic or number to show how many councillors and city hall of all parties are against the lifting of the eviction ban no, because the Greens are treading a very careful line. I mean, we've seen that that unfold at a national level, that this has become a very divisive issue for the Green Party. And at a local level, there seems to have been a kind of a measured uh, response with the Green councillors trying to t- t- tread a very careful line, saying that they, that not enough was done before the lifting of the eviction ban to warrant the lifting of okay, the eviction okay. ban. But say within you know, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael councillors or many of them... No, there, no, there wasn't really any breaking of ranks there uh, that I could make out when it came to that. I mean, I suppose what it is is that opposition, you know, everyone in opposition, everyone from an opposition party wants to politicise it and talk about it as a political... But you know what thing. I'm trying to find out is, is whether or not Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael councillors in City Council... Were are behind the ban being lifted or not? I mean, it's it, the the last council meeting, not this one, but the one before that I was reporting on. Uh, the Lord Mayor was saying, "Let's not politicise this, guys. Let's just deal with the fallout from it." So, there's, in general, what I'm seeing is that most of the Fine Gael and Fianna Foil councillors are just in favour of kind of. Uh, you know, like troubleshooting, dealing with the individual issues and trying very hard to not talk about okay. a kind of a political okay. response. So therefore, my reading into that then is that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael councillors are unwilling to criticise the lifting of the ban. 
I think so. Yeah, okay. I think that they don't want to break party ranks. One very interesting thing, though, that might be a little note, we've had a lot of catastrophe, like, there's a lot of fear around this, uh, but there, but the information that was shared uh, by Court City Council shows that, uh, now this is, of course, a, you know, a, a, a terrible, terrible situation for families facing this, uh, but that um, in April 2023, um, that there have been 26 uh, notices of termination that the homeless services in Cork City Council are aware of. That's new information that was shared at that meeting last night. So there, for the first two weeks of April, 16 households in, across the city have had a notice of termination issued. Uh, 10 of these are working with, with housing allocations and trying to see, seek alternative options. And then Ten further households had a notice of termination from April the fifth, or are due to um, that they're dated from April the fifteenth to April the thirtieth. Mm, that sounds like a, like a tiny number. It's significant to those who are amongst those numbers, but is it really numbers that low? Numbers really aren't going to cut it, are they? Neil, no. When it comes to you know the impact of this on people's lives, but I think I think that's I think that's inaccurate myself it can't be right I don't know I'm not saying that figures are being massaged or I'm not saying that it's fake news but it can't be as low as 20 odd you just can't uh, no this is the this is the notices of termination literally the only the ones that have been um, that ha- that they're aware of that the homeless services are aware of that are in place in this April yeah well <laughs> yeah because we're only on the 4th of April uh, yes, but the 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 dates on those, you know, this this is what they're aware of coming coming okay. down okay. down okay. the stream. That's they're the figures that were shared uh, by the by the SPC meeting that came out of the SPC meeting uh, on housing. So that's what the the homeless services of Cork City Council. Okay, so the big the big the big issue here then for the likes of Sinn Fein, for instance, or the Independence mm-hmm. City Council is they wanted a public debate so that they could be reported on as to how bad things are. Or, you know that um, you know, so that the at least the public could get an opportunity to hear what they were talking about. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I spoke briefly to McNugent after the meeting, Councillor McNugent, who uh, proposed the um, the debate, and it, uh, yeah, he was very disappointed. He said that if anyone who was being directly affected had been watching what they were expecting to see was a full discussion of all of the issues, and instead, what happened was a kind of um. Uh, a rapid um, uh, kind of, I mean, from his, from his perspective, it seems to be a kind of a shutdown of mm. of the public element of of the conversation. But having said that, in a week's time, we're going to have the full council meeting. I highly recommend, by the way, that that members of the public, everyone can do it. They're streamed live. You can watch them on YouTube, and the council meetings are very interesting. And it's a really good way to kind of keep an eye on your like local representatives and stuff like that. Uh, so there will be a full council meeting, and the report from the from the housing committee is going to be discussed at that next meeting. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Okay. But there wasn't a full council meeting last night, though, was it? No. Well, there were people absent because it was at, it was called at such short notice. Okay, okay. So it was a full council meeting. It was a special meeting of the council, but there were people who were not able to attend because okay. they didn't get enough notice. Okay, that was what happened last night and it had the Lord Mayor saying that the likes of Sinn Féin and the independents were engaging in what? Political shenanigans, I think. 
that what you said? Yeah, yeah, and that's been the that's been the kind of the heavy message is uh, at a local level. Stop politicising it. We're just here to you know pick up the pieces and deal on an individual basis with the fallout of this national political decision. And then, of course, a lot of councillors are not happy to do that because they want to be able to say these are the these are the political decisions that end up affecting people's yeah. lives. Okay, good points, well made. You also have a quick article there in the Examiner this morning talking about the modular homes. Are you referring to the ones for Ukrainian war refugees? Is that right? Yeah, the the majority of that one actually uh, uh, was um, Elaine, Elaine Lachlan's, uh, Elaine yeah, Lachlan. but yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just was uh, the part of it where, where um, the Irish Refugee Council. Um, uh, I interviewed the CEO of the Irish Refugee Council, who was talking about um, numbers of people who are international protection applicants. And how many uh, of the modulars are we talking about? Is it seven hundred modular modular homes? Uh, that element of that article was written by Elaine Lockley. Yeah, well, it is 700. It says it in the paper today. But you, but you did write the article then with regards to all of these wonderful social housing units um, in Mandeville Place on Pollardoff Road. The ribbon was cut yeah. nine months ago and they're still sitting there locked up. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing one. And that's it? a tribute to Cork City Council, isn't it? A tribute to their efficiencies. I mean, I, I know, I understand that these things are difficult. The point that they made to me was that those specific homes in Mandeville Place are part of a scheme for downsizing. I think they call it right-sizing, which is a brilliant euphemism. Well, so that what that is to do is to encourage um, people who are in social housing who are over the age of 60, whose maybe their needs have changed and they need smaller housing units. Maybe their families have moved out and stuff. And the idea there is that they would downsize to a one or two bed and free up homes that are three or four bed for families to use. So it's a slightly more complicated system than the choice-based letting but system. They, but they'll stay there until they coax people into them, you're saying? Well, that's it, is that they're the process of trying to make sure that those get filled by suitable candidates. The, what Cork City Council told me is that that process has taken longer in this instance. But they're happy for them to sit there vacant when people are well, screaming for somewhere that's, to... That's, oh, man. that's the frustration there, you know, and, and I think, like, I think I interviewed Colin Kelleher for that. The frustration there palpable because, uh, you know, people saying there is a housing crisis. I'm walking past these every day of the week and they're empty and people don't really understand the reason for that. That's just what. Well, there is no reason apart from the fact that it's a disgrace. But thank you all the same, Ellie. Appreciate it as always. Elio Byrne with Tripe and Trishine also writing in the Examiner this morning. Text 0868104106. The government were talking about this four billion that they gave us back there recently. You'd think that the way they spoke about it, the money was coming out of their own pockets. My question is, I thought we were paying this USC for four years, remember? And that six years would be the max of of the universal social charge. You notice the government are always great at taxing the Irish people to the hilt. But when it comes to actually saying, okay, we said six years with the max, now it will end Never does. How is it that the Irish government allowed these vulture funds come in and screw the Irish people? Oh, and another one of their promises was that no one would have to pay anything extra. How much are these vulture funds paying into the Irish tax system? A vulture fund, vulture fund could buy maybe a hundred homes at a time. And believe me, if the home was valued at 250000 they got them for less than that, sometimes 
half that. Why didn't the Irish government give the same breaks to the families living in these homes as they gave to the vulture funds who came in? All I can say is that the founders of the state would be turning in their graves to see how their political parties treated the Irish citizens. You know, I truly believe that if we were still under British rule, the UK government would never have allowed this to happen. Here we are paying back money for the mistakes of the Irish bankers. By the way, if it was you or I that had been investing at the time, we wouldn't have seen a cent back. But the Irish government is selling out their own people. I'm disgusted to see this country being run the way it is. Here are all our top politicians. and They're travelling all around the world again recently for St. Patrick's Day, while hundreds if not thousands of Irish women and children and men haven't a pot to pee in. Never mind a place to lay their heads. Thank you for that. That's an enlightening email. But if you really believe that the UK are not having similar problems to us, uh, then I think you need to think again. We're not exclusive to this problem. In fact, I think maybe in the UK, they're in even bigger and deeper trouble than we are in many different aspects of their society. Uh, But you say if uh, we were still under British rule, the UK government would never have allowed this to happen. I don't think any one of us would wish in 2023 to be under British rule now, would we? Back after the break, text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, the government should be fecked out on their heads. The poor lady, Neil, if I had a house, I'd give it to her. The government's a disgrace. These creatures better not come to my door for votes anytime soon. Uh, it's worth remembering that while Irish people and others are thinking about emigrating following eviction... Others are coming here with some hope of accommodation. The government's plan to change the face of Ireland forever continues to unfold. Uh, that girl, Neve, can't blame anyone, really, only herself. Uh, why have all of those children but no roof over their heads? Renting was always the same. You're always under a landlord. Before I had my children, I struggled so much. You have no idea. But we made the deposit and bought our first house. And believe me, Neil, everything needed to be done but we had a roof over our heads. Uh, she's talking about the rent she has paid, €170,000. But what else was there for her to do? My big advice is to put the children on hold for the moment, people, and mind every penny. That's all you can do. When renting, you can get your notice at any time. Landlords are not to blame as they want to sell their houses, says Marie. Uh, full stop on that one, she says. Um, uh, no children until you can afford to have them. Uh, text 0868 Pick up the phone on 0818 I'm a property owner. Due to COVID, uh, we couldn't afford our mortgage. We moved to Cork from Louth and are renting now. Uh, we became unwilling landlords of the house back in Louth. The rent was just about covering the mortgage and management fees. I never contemplated raising the rent, but I'm charged 52% of rental income, so that's a tax bill of €8,000 even though there's about a thousand euro left from the rental income. Uh, The tenant moved out in February and our house was completely trashed and destroyed. Every single thing in the house had to be skipped. The whole house had to be painted, new carpets put in, along with professional cleaners. The house is now up for sale. We would like to have kept the house as we were only renting in Cork with three kids, but the tax bill and the maintenance killed us. People think we're all parasites. If the tenant had any issue, I sorted it within days. And they ultimately went on then to destroy my house. If the government taxed on profit, I'd be happy to keep it as a rental for the family in need, uh, whether private or hap. 
but it's impossible. Lots of us landlords are landlords, not by choice. It's terrible that people are worrying about losing their homes, but they just do nothing to help the landlords. Uh, that's my situation, as in the government does nothing to help the landlords. Shocking thing, isn't it, uh, that the house got trashed and everything and then all of the money that you spend to put it back right. And I don't think you had the heart to stay in the rental game after that. Uh, there's lots more like that, so keep them coming. Text 0868 um, And I know when I was away, um, Jonathan Healy was dealing with the topic of the Ono Bryn tweet. It's a very, very old uh, f- painting. I can't remember who actually painted it back in the day, but of course it's been adapted by an artist to put three members of Angardi Shikona at the door of a uh, famine house or famine cottage uh, straw roof, thatched roof. And on the left-hand side, of course, you have uh, what looks like half of a paddy wagon. And they seem to be having a go at the door. And then you have three other members of what could be deemed as maybe guard a rapid response because they're all full of, they're all fully clothed in black. And they also have balaclavas um, uh, covering their face and a hat also. So that was the tweet that got everybody angry, including members of Mungarda Shikona. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Just uh, before I get to that, if I may comment on the outrageous comments that are coming in as the girls, the young lady that was You'll, on, you'll always get has, that. I mean, you'll always yeah. get that. Anytime I do a story yeah. like that, you will get people yeah. say, don't be having kids, don't be having kids. Yeah, like the last time I looked, it was uh, physically impossible to be unborn. These children are born. No, right? no, but the people, no, yeah. just saying the, the people are saying you need to cut your... I'm, and I'm not amongst them. I don't want to seem yeah. to be criticising yeah. Neve, but they're suggesting that economically, having a big family uh, when you're, you're renting and you don't have security attached, Tenure is not a clever thing to do. Well, again, I mean, if you're renting, that doesn't mean that you can't have kids. I mean, it's just so great to send you back what those people did. Secondly, before I get to your own renting, the Lord Mayor, when they, he or she becomes the first citizen, Neil, has been protocol right down for the years, used to spend your party politics like him. And so the way she voted last night was an absolute affront to everything that the Lord Mayor, the first citizen, being impartial, should stand for. No, that's that over the way. As the guards own over in, I think he shouldn't have apologised for uh, the tweet of the... Apologize, the uh, he apologised if it upset the Gardaí. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the whole thing about it, to me, it, I have no problem with it because um, if you remember going back to the water protest which you were with us, there was a lot of intim- intimidation went on there. A lot of people brought before the courts, not only in Cork, right around the country. A lot of intimidation, a lot of bad feelings. Yeah, but do you think that any member of the Garda Shikana went out to work that morning to be hassling, harassing people or trying to get them into court? They didn't. They just didn't. Yeah, but they should be sent out in the first place. There was other uh, proper policing to be done, right? And again, during the COVID, the Debenhams workers here on Cork, their names are taken. The Debenhams workers in Dublin were harassed and bullied and intimidated off the streets and put on the doors to get them out of town. Uh, people in churches uh, right around the country, girls went in and elderly parishioners inside were bullied and intimidated out of the church. So there's a lot of residue hanging around. Yes, that's, a, co- I, that's a COVID-related intimidation, is yeah, it? Yeah, but I, I, yeah, but I, I, that's why there's no problem with the actual superimposing of the famine scene, right? And or no, Bryn, I wish he didn't apologise for it, right? Because to me, it's a shot across the bows to on Garda We see what happened up in Strokestone there, where there was mercenaries came over the border, right, for a bank and they beat people to the ground while the guards stood by and done nothing, right? No, this tweet, no, and this famine scene, right? 
it's a shot across the border on Garda Shikana because if they come out and there's any evictions right around the country, which there will be many authorised, what are they going to do? But like, let's say a tenant sits in, right? Well, mm-hmm. and it goes to court and the court oppose the eviction order uh, and then it gets it very, very serious. It could be a physical movement, a removal. Yeah. Would that involve on Garda Shikana? Well, the Gardaí shouldn't be involved in the civil matter of actually dragging people physically out of the house. That would be done by bailiffs or again, they're private mercenaries, uh, as I call them, right? And if the people are coming out of the house are manhandled in any way, the Gardaí Shikana will have to get involved in and protect those individuals in that house. They have to be impartial on the day. They can stand back and not take a side. They will have to stop the roughing up or the physical abuse of any man, woman or children coming out of these properties. So I had no problem with that photograph because it was a shot across the bows to the Gardaí. Look, take a good look at this now, guys. Be very careful now how you handle this when it comes around. Mm-hmm. Just wondering as to whether on Garda Shikana will have a role to play in an eviction. Well, you see, the problem is... Because be if they don't, well, if they don't, and have they had a role in an eviction, do you know of anybody in Cork, say, for instance, being evicted where on Garda Shikana did the evicting? Not in Cork, but if we go and what happened in Stokestone, as I said there, where they actually stood by, where people have been beaten to the ground, like you mean. I don't want to see that in my city. I don't want to see it anywhere else happen in this country. So if you read the Gardaos and you get it up online if you want to, right? you're supposed to have equal respect. And one word always jumps out to me in that Gardaos, right? It says impartiality. That's why when the guards are called to if there's a fight inside in town and you and me will say are fighting, the guard can't say, Neil Prender, will you start it? John I don't even know you started it. They have to check the CCTV. They have to get witnesses, mobile phone, if somebody has it on phone, whatever. I just want to know, and I'll have to find out for myself, if a court order is passed upholding an eviction of a family anywhere in the country, right, who goes to do the evicting? I know know bailiffs would go on behalf of the owner of the property, right, but is that all? Are on guard is called, do they attend... Uh, with blues and twos. Well, the, 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 the officer of the court with the bailiffs will request uh, the attendance of the Gardaí and the Gardaí will, will have to turn up once the request is made by an officer of the court. To evict right? a family. But, yeah, but that doesn't, that's up to them, the, the, those, those people involved, like the, the representation from the courts and the bailiffs, right? But the Gardaí have no hand act part in dragging people out of the house. And if that happens, they cannot then, that's a breach of the peace to me, they cannot stand idly by so they have to protect that tenant. Because it's not, is it a criminal offence to refuse to leave an evicted Every single eviction is a civil matter. So the Gardaí basically have no role in civil matters like that. And if it comes to be physically ejecting and manhandling people, the Gardaí will have to protect those individuals. Here's what it so says in the rule book. Gardaí should not attend eviction unless a criminal offence is alleged or disclosed under the new policy issued in 2020. The role of Angarda Shikana is policing evictions to ensure public order is maintained and that no criminal offence is committed. Um, but even exactly. that, even that's vague, though. If, if for is, instance, you refuse to leave the property, is that deemed then to be a public order issue? Well, no, it's not. That's a, that's a civil matter. Then they can mean if I'm inside my house, they can mean the, the gas can't come in. And unless there's a warrant out for my arrest, they can't take me or you out of our house. As simple as that. Okay. This is a civil matter. But if that's matter. the case, then, then Obwin, shouldn't nobody should have doctored the beautiful painting in the first place because it's fake news. Well, 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 the thing is, like, it, to me, it was a shot across the bow because, you see, the people representing the courts 
that and the people involved in the evictions on the day can request on Gardishikana uh, standby, and the Gazi more than likely will be sent out there then. But to me, they shouldn't have hanged that part. And if the people are mishandled in any way or harassed, I mean, it, it just can't happen. Okay, let's see. I'll get some more information on this as to what can and can't happen in the event of an eviction. We need to be great to be able to clarify it 100%, wouldn't it? Uh, meanwhile, you can text 0868104106. The picture, the painting itself uh, of an awfully sad time in our history. Uh, incidentally, I also addressed that to the person who said these things wouldn't be happening under British rule. Famine happened under British rule. Genocide happened under British rule. Give me a break, will you? That was a painting by Thomas... Uh, sorry, that was a painting by the renowned Cork artist Daniel MacDonald. Uh, and it clearly was painted in and around the... I would imagine in and around the 1840s. He lived a very short life, actually, the artist Daniel MacDonald, born in 1821 and died at a very, very young age in 1853. Uh, don't know what killed him, but I'm quite sure the conditions of Ireland at the time... Uh, probably went a substantial way to taking his life at a young age. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. So, away for a few days, uh, I was in uh, London and then I took the overnight sleeper with uh, my wife up to uh, Edinburgh as a by the way. It was an overnight train and spent a couple of nights in Edinburgh and it would depress you. Oh, um, all right, they've got it up there by comparison to, say, the downtown core here in Cork. I know it's a bigger city. It possibly is maybe a very, very historic city. I, I also believe that Cork actually is also a very historic city. I think we also have the same kind of medieval core and the medieval story to our city that Edinburgh has. But it's absolutely thriving. I mean, you would be... You're sharing the pavement, like every single pavement and every hill and every step. There's steps everywhere because it's a very hilly city uh, with literally thousands and thousands and thousands of tourists. And every single shop is vibrant. And they're all small businesses, you know, independent operators and traders doing their own thing. Much of it, you know, of course, much of it is targeted towards the tourist industry. Um, but that works for them, Right. Like, if, if you were to compare maybe the main streets, the Golden Mile, for instance, or Princess Streets or area like that in Edinburgh with Patrick Street, you would be absolutely mortified with embarrassment if you brought somebody and walked them from Patrick's Bridge down to, um, you know, the Grand Parade corner there by Dawn Square and down the Grand Parade. Because to compare the two is like comparing day and night. It was just, it's, it's just absolutely thriving. And they do so much... Um, to make the city vibrant and, um, you know, economically thriving. Uh, I, I, I just I couldn't really put my finger on why Cork should not be the very, very same. And then I was thinking it was because nobody really tried. There was never really a will to do that. If you look at what we've done to, say, for instance, Patrick Street um, or North Main Street or South Main Street or... Um, the Marsh area or Barrack Street or Blarney Street or Shandon Street, all of these areas could be exactly the same. Could be maybe a smaller version of what they do in in Edinburgh um, because we have much of the tools, we have much of the buildings in place, those that we haven't already destroyed. I mean, completely destroyed Merchant's Key with that monstrosity. Uh, but we just didn't seem to mind what we had. Uh, and I think we're paying the price for it now because it's become too much of a problem for us to 
put right. Um, did you want to jump in on that? Because yeah, just, just I think in Edinburgh, because I was only there and like my girlfriend lived there for a couple of years and she absolutely loves the place. Um, and it, I was only there not that long ago and it just struck me, you know, we're having this conversation about bus connects and all the traffic in the city, but you go to Edinburgh and it's a much bigger city than Cork. It's half a million people living there. You don't see the same levels of car traffic going through the city no, no, as you it, do in Cork. It, it is, it is by and large, the, the core of it is is um, is car free. It's completely car free. There's no need for it, you know, because because it's so well connected with your train station that's properly connected, you yeah. have buses that are proper at full tram system. There, you don't see buildings being demolished. You know, I know, I know. Obviously, the UK government seems to be a lot more proactive in terms of its art scene as well, and you have the fringe there. But you just look at the architecture in Edinburgh, like you know, like in. Cork we have a fantastic Docklands which is now set to be totally demolished and we're just going to get glass buildings yeah. and we have the same for Albert Key the same for Laps Key you go down the keys in Cork and it's I'm but, all ju- of the, but all of the buildings all of the shops have small little independent businesses doing their own thing absolutely and like from, I, I won't even start going into the different types of businesses but they're as varied as you can imagine and there are literally it's bursting with cafes and restaurants and bars. Each of them with, and the food there is terrific. And and we have all of that. We have the we have the fabulous food. We have mm. the history. We have the medieval area that's just completely like the tours that they do there would blow your mind. But yet you have Kieran McCarthy who's pushing trying to push a huge big rock up a hill with the tours he's doing in the city. Nobody is funding him. Nobody's giving him shed loads of money. No. There are no kiosks there where people can walk up to and decide to do a walking tour or a nighttime tour or you know. But even look at look at nothing. look at look at the venues we have. Like I mean, we have the Opera House, which is a superb venue, and we have Cypress Avenue and. Like apart from that, what what do we have in terms of live music? What what do we have in terms of like every day? Like we have some trad sessions. I know the Corner House and and that that side of the city with Coburg Street do great stuff. But like on a day to day basis, what in Cork is there in terms of nightlife? Apart from just going to the pub and having a pint, there is no. there's so little invested into an art sector and our like Cork is a. Cork could be a could be a massively a so how did how cultural did Kilkenny do it then and Killarney do it and Galway do it and um, Edinburgh do it well one way that they actually did do it as well is they became very welcoming to hens and stags now there's an upside to that and a downside to it because nighttime Edinburgh is mental yeah. you know, like mental yeah you know like it's not messy or anything there's police and all that kind of thing yeah but still like there's oh, so many party there's town. so much choice like uh, when I went out in Edinburgh you like when I went to Edinburgh ten years ago at UCC and we spent every night in a place called the Hive which we affectionately known as the Dive which was essentially an underground rave cave where you know it was all students and 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 two euro shots of absinthe when I when we went to a place called Masha or Imasha the last time we were there which was a converted church turned into a music venue yeah, yeah. and there was a ska band but like. there's, yeah, there's but so there's many all different of that, but there's also families and children of all ages and they're teaming up and down to the castle and they're going to all of the different buildings and they're jumping on and off the um, the tourist buses I, I, I like I was I thought it was magnificent but I was really depressed as well because I was thinking God almighty why have why have those that had the power and the finances sat on their hands yeah. when we could be just like this? And this is the thing, like, the, I, I think we we have a Cork has such a rich history, and I know people say about it all, but we really do. Like, you know, we're over eight hundred years a city. We have a huge harbour, the second largest second largest natural harbour in the world, which I think is being desperately underutilized. I didn't see any. We, uh, we, I didn't see any. Um, nobody begging. Nobody hassling you on the street for money. None. None. 
uh, you know, no, no undesirables, no, no scoby types hanging well, around. I wonder, I wonder if there are 144 market. families potentially being evicted from their homes in Edinburgh in the next month or two. I, and I can't, I, I mean, can't talk to that. I tell you one thing that I could do, and I don't think I could do this in Ireland. I walked into the Scottish Parliament, right into the Parliament building, right into where they conduct their business. Right, mm-hmm. I had to go through a security scan, take my stuff off, put it in. In I went. We were met by people in there who worked there. They gave us a ten-minute talk about the history of the Parliament in Scotland, devolution from the uh, from the English, and all that kind of thing. And then I said, um, "Would there be any chance at all that we could get into the Parliament to go in and see where business is done?" Oh, that's open to the public. You can you can just go up there. Away, yeah. Mondays and Fridays, no problem. There's nothing happening. Go on in yourself. Yeah. Do you think I'd be able to get into the doll? But there's a chance I could do that. You can't get a debate even if you're a councillor in Cork City Council at the moment. It seems if Ellie's if Ellie's words to go by, never mind the public coming yeah. in. But I just think in terms of like it's particularly our Docklands, and it's going to come down the line where we have this big Docklands project, and obviously development is a great thing. But it's we we have such a uh, an attitude of well let's just hand it over to the developers and let them look after it there's no sense of we destroyed Patrick Street we de- we've destroyed so many we've destroyed Merchant's Key just, you could talk about Douglas as, an, as another beautiful little village that has been a, a lot of people would say destroyed with the amount of traffic that's going through it Maham Point put up with no exit directly onto the link road so now all that area is total chock-a-block it's just it's this sense of like you 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 know it's all I'm all for private development and we need it you know investment but that needs to be managed and there needs to be it needs to be done in a way where where the heritage and the overall kind of landscape is 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 kept intact. We, to, we should just, have been playing to our strengths really, and our strengths would have been. Um, you know, uh, protecting what we had rather than desecrating and tearing it apart. Would you bring a tourist? Would you bring up somebody who was here down the length of Patrick Street? I, no, you should be mortified. No, and uh, yeah, sure, like a, a couple of weeks ago, I was walking down Olive Plunkett Street around five o'clock, and it was just all I saw was vape shops boarded up. Uh, you know, the so, and this like even don't kid yourself. E- man. Even the the, the fire regulations w- at the moment, where people can't live up over the top of shops, and I know obviously fire regulations are very important, but surely there could be some sort of agreement made where like a whole row of building has. But a, everywhere I went the weekend, there were people opening side doors next to buildings. Right, there was, the shop was on the ground floor, and people going in and out. Yeah. And there was eight and ten different buzzers on all of the doors they're all living upstairs they're all living and that's how those cafes and restaurants survive because those people are coming down living there and getting a coffee or they're going to the shop if you take people out of the city then how do you expect businesses in the city to survive anyway your thoughts are welcome on that lads text 0868104106 particularly if you disagree with me maybe I'm reading it wrong although I personally don't think so pick up the phone 0818104106 back to the phone lines we go Edward good morning Morning, Neil. How are you? Thanks for holding. Uh, feel free to jump in on that. Actually, I have a clip of you from, I think, uh, back in 2022. Do you mind if I just share 20 seconds of it? This was you on the air in 2022, right? Have a listen to this. People are, are, are going around saying that they're scared and they're terrified and anxious, but what they should be is absolutely, lividly angry. They should be fuming. It's that simple. They shouldn't be putting up with this name. We should, like, we should not be in it. Like, we are the people and we're terrified of what our government won't do for us. When are the Irish going to stand up? When, when is enough enough? When is enough enough? But what does standing up actually mean? What are you suggesting we should do to stand up? Uh, Edward. Neil, I, I tell you, listening to that clip there now, I'm more snow today. <laughs> okay. Especially after listening to Neil there on the phone. Look, I was at the protests for the housing, right? I, I, I was in there, I saw it. Look, there was, there was massive numbers uh, showed up. 
and the government have since spat, and I mean spat, in people's faces since then. And w- w- it's now okay. Like, people are saying, okay, everything has to be peaceful. We can't incite any sort of rioting or anything at all like that. We can't do that. And I'm not going to do that, but I'll word it very, very differently, right? It, 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 it's now gone to the point where, right, put it this way. If we had it gone up, if 10,000 strong, which, were, which was not even the numbers that were, were made up from all the protests about the housing over the country this year alone, right? And ripped the gate clean off the doll, took over the doll. I thought you were going to put doll. it mildly. You want us to rip well, off the gates and doll, Aaron. It tightly, and yeah. it, look, listen... Listen, then you get the guards coming out. Then you have the army coming out. Then you have people being hurt. Let them come because people are dying. Let them come. Even the other chap that was on from uh, a while ago there, an elderly gentleman talking about um, Jobstown. There was 20 men in Ballyclavis came down and the guardy did stand there. And I watched every single video that came out from that. There was old men, Irish men, okay, farmers, that went through a very, very difficult financial patch, okay, but worked their whole lives, paid their taxes, and backed up the likes of Fina Gale and Fina Fai, like every other person over 60 has done, because they're being drip-fed crumbs. And, and, and like I said in my text, it's changed the psychology they have, and managed to change the psychology of people. We'll take a tenner from you, and we'll give you back two euro the following year. And their people are getting grateful for that. Mm. It's, mm. Got, it's gone to the point now where, pe- are, are we for real? Buying tents is an option. Your man's gone out to the regatta to get himself and his kids. Warm clothes, Warm clothes in the tent, yeah. He's got 1900 a month to spend on rent. Can't get somewhere to live. Walking up and down the Grand Parade with your, with your kids and their buggy isn't going to cut it anymore. They still pass the eviction bill. If you listen to Hall or if you listen to Leo, what, what are they saying? Everything, uh, everything is fine. Uh, everything is great. Yeah, I know. Jobstown got, Jobstown got messy, though. You might, you might remember it getting very messy. And, when you, and a man said, did it ever happen in Cork? It didn't happen in Cork. And I think they had a major advantage, major advantage because it was just over the border. And they were elderly. But I know from myself, and I've, I've spoke to people about this all over my area, I'd say, in the last 12 months, if 20 men came down to evict the family where I'm from, they'd be met with 50 men in Ballyclavis. And the guards can stand there and the guards, no, the, the guards have, have, have done nothing. They shouldn't even be at these protests. Or, or not the protests, at these evictions. They shouldn't even be present. Yeah. But, but, do we, but we, do we know that they will be at any of the evictions? Well, sure. Uh, thus far, they have been. Like, again, uh, look up YouTube and look up the Jobstown eviction. The guards stood there with their arms crossed, right? While thugs from across the border were throwing old men onto the ground. Mm. in Ballyclavis leaving Triton Cork because I'd be the first one to put it on and 20 men could come down here with Ballyclavis to try and evict the family and I can tell you they'll be met with that could be deemed uh, to ensure public order is maintained though well, that, where's no. the public order if all men are being thrown to the floor where's the, hang on now where's the public order Neil since this eviction ban is, this is going to cost lives this is not about being homeless this is going to cost lives people whether it be suicide whether it be mental health issues whether it be at this stage, with talks of tents, just being out in the elements, these people are going to die. People need to wake up. This, like, how many, how many, how many deaths do we need? Because people clearly need more to happen because people aren't doing anything. Yeah. They're not doing nothing. Peaceful protest isn't cutting it. It's not cutting it. I, I, I was on Patrick Street. I went up and down the Grand Parade. All well and good. Families with buggies, all that. That's not. Try, Jesus, if you tried that with the French. The French will bring the country to a standstill. There'll be a hundred thousand. In the, in the sense that peaceful protests really do nothing. They don't. They do nothing. No. Well, look, 
It's not for the lack of trying, as I said, I was there myself, right? Peaceful, I'm all for peaceful protests, but there's nothing coming from them. The councils are as bad as the government. Nine, nine months, there's, there's places sitting there, and there's a man looking at tents and regatta wear for his children. Ah, come on. Really? Yeah, says here that Angarda Shikona should not engage in any such tenancy disputes unless a criminal offence is alleged or disclosed. How, how, how vague is that? How vague is that? At what point when a man, an old man, is inside okay. his house yeah, okay. and is refusing to leave and it's gotten to the point where the Gardaí have to get involved? Look, look like every other law and like everything else that that government's put in place. It looks good on paper, but the technicalities are the Gardaí can grab the man by the arms and pull him out the bloody door. Okay, we'll come back after 11. Thanks for that. Cheers. Text 0868 104 I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. It's talking about um, large amounts of money. There's a lovely colour story making the papers today. It makes the star. It's a family um, and a mum, actually, who will now take her family on a magical cruise uh, because she managed to sell a very tatty Harry Potter book for €22,765. It's a sterling figure of £20,000. That is the reserve sale price she put on it. And it is so tatty. It doesn't have any spine on it. The protective plastic's peeling off. The pages are yellowed and everything. Uh, She gave it to all sorts of people to borrow it and read and got it back in a shock and kiss eight. There's, you know neither a lender nor a borrower be. But it paid off in the end because it's a, it's a first edition copy of the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, and she didn't think she'd get anywhere near it, but she didn't. She says, who would want to buy a book in that kind of state? Well, somebody did, and they paid 23 grand for it. A first edition Harry Potter for, uh, Philosopher's Stone. And of course, we hear of those stories all of the time and people scramble and wonder whether their Harry Potter at home is a first edition. I don't think they made many first edition. I don't have the figure or anything like that, but um, it's a great backstory, actually, to hold that whole thing. And without dwelling, overly dwelling, or comparing, say, Edinburgh to Cork, although comparisons can be made as to how good we could be if we were any like, anywhere like what they did in, in Edinburgh. And it's kind of sad that we're not. But, of course, J.K. Rowling wrote The Philosopher's Stone in Edinburgh. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was plonking around there over the past couple of days and actually visited because I wanted to go. I'm not a huge Potter fan, but I, I love the whole J.K. Rowling story. I admired the woman, actually, for her bravery and all that kind of thing. But that's for another day. I love people who have an opinion and they stick to it, incidentally. And, you know, they have the strength to be able to say how they feel. You may not necessarily agree with them, but it takes a brave person to be able to stand up to a lot of backlash. But anyway, she stood up to a lot in her own life and wrote it in a cafe called The Elephant cafe um, and it's closed I don't know why I don't know whether they're going through renovation or whatever but it's closed and it's all barricaded up now the elephant cafe I thought to myself she could have picked an awful lot nicer cafes to have written the book in I mean because and, and nicer areas of Glasgow even to write the book in but there it is nonetheless no disrespect to them they've got a big sign up in the front saying the home and birthplace of Harry Potter Um but an awful lot of people actually go to Edinburgh on the Harry Potter trip, I think, for the Harry Potter experience. Because if you go there, you will realise that she had to be hugely influenced by Edinburgh and the streets of the city and town to have written Harry Potter. Because it just screams 
Harry Potter. It just does. The streets do. And when you see the films or read the books, there's a little shop there um, that clearly she used to create Ollivanders, you know, the wand shop and areas like that. Um, but how do you get onto that? Oh, yeah, selling of a first edition. So, again, I remind you, go and check and see if your Harry Potter Philosopher's Stone might be a first edition. You could be an awful lot more than 20 grand better off if it's in perfect condition. Add an extra couple of zeros to it. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Oh, yeah, let's jump back to the phone lines and come back to text between now and midday. Dan is standing by. First up, Rachel, good morning. Good morning. Okay, you have the floor. What's on your mind? Um, the biggest problem with the whole rental sector is the government interference. It started... Uh, pre the crash going back to the 90s where they got rid of the the council rent-to-buy where the council would buy a house because you couldn't afford to and you'd get a percentage from the bank to pay them. The lease would be a quarter mm. and you'd eventually buy the house back off the council. Mm. Mm. They stopped that and that would have been private houses, not social housing. So you had no interference with the social housing stock. They then banned the bedsits they did ban bedsits, you are dead yes. right. And then they reversed that years later. But the bedsits cannot, you cannot share, like the bedsits years ago would have been sharing bathrooms yeah. and the kitchen yeah. would have been a little kitchenette. That was all, you can't do that anymore. But people yeah, found it be now like small, There'd be small flats now as opposed to, did you ever, did you ever rent a bedsit, I wonder, Rachel? No, a friend of mine had yeah. one and it was, it was great because yeah. there was the rules there were certain rules in the house and everyone just abided by well, them. I, uh, do you mind me just sharing? Because uh, I had three or four different experiences back in the late 70s, early 80s in bedsits. And you, you described them perfectly right. They would be one room, right? Um, most of the time you shared a bathroom with other people on the same floor. But within your room, you would have a small little kitchen area in one corner. You'd have maybe a couch and a television in another corner. And you'd have a bed in the other corner. Do you know what I mean? And then, yes, and then, if you, door, yeah. and then, if you were really, really lucky, the kitchen might be slightly off, and you had those a small little door into it, and it was a tiny kitchen. But that'd be it. Um, there was a, 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 there would be a bathroom at the end of the corridor, and everyone on that floor or whatever in that house then would share the same bathroom. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, the rules were last in you clean it before you come back out so the bathroom was always clean yeah, was oh, yeah. That yeah, rule, yeah. and everyone abided by it and yeah. that was it yeah yeah, yeah. So, so that's what they, they were and the, and the rent was much much cheaper accordingly because it was a shared house rather than an actual rented house yeah yeah. So it, and people could afford that and get themselves on the property ladder yeah. much easier that's right they could live yeah. Yeah. but they they banned them then they after that what did they do after that oh then they brought the tax on rent from 30% to 52%. Then they decided all rental properties must be up to a certain standard, which meant if you had an older property, you couldn't put 20, 30 grand into your house. And if you did, the tenants had to move out while you were doing the work. Mm, mm. So that came in. Then came the the PRTB came along, put manners on everyone, yeah, yeah. But that was, the RTB was pretty good actually because it strengthened the rights of tenants. It did, but it also, I think it's at, it's at the point now where the tenants have more rights over the properties than the landlords. 
Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of, it's like a double-edged sword. If, if they just simplified it instead of trying to, you know, rule over everything and the, like there's too many restrictions on it. And then, and of course, the what they also did then was they um, brought in new legislation where councils, um, they don't do it themselves. They get private companies to do it. They, vi- they write first to the landlord and say, we are coming to visit your property. It could be a flat or it could be a house. And we're going to go through it like a fine tooth comb. We're going to tell you all of the things that you need to put right. Then they go and do yeah. that. And the, the landlord is given a bill. It could be 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 grand's worth of stuff to do. They're not willing to do it, so they sell the house. Yeah, because some houses, but where, where are you going to pull that out of your pocket? Yeah. <laughs> like you're not going to. Yeah. Not if you're, unless you're a multinational company that has blocks of flats everywhere or something, but you're not going to be able to pull that kind of money out. Yeah, the one area that they haven't managed to put any manners on at all is, by and large, and this isn't a sweeping statement against all landlords who rent to college students, but their facilities and when their living conditions leave an awful lot to be desired. Oh, completely, but that's that's what I'm saying, but that's because they know they leave at a certain point, so they don't care about that sector because that's not an issue, that's a temporary accommodation as far as they're concerned. The ones that interfere in is the ones that are the long-term Yeah accommodation but it should be the other way around that's the one that's the worst it's the student accommodation but they they won't touch that and so, it's it, the whole thing is insane the way they do it i know they've upped the threshold for mortgages which is driving house prices up which is going to mean people think they can afford a mortgage but if anything happens it's good we're going to go back to 2009 again it's just thing. like history going yeah. back again yeah people are going for longer mortgages now as well aren't they which is insane. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? Do you it think is, so? I mean, why not have a longer yeah. mortgage with lower payments? You have less pain involved then. But you, but you end up paying probably three times the price of your house. Well, I don't know that it would be that much. You'd probably that. have to work under about 70. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you start quite young. You're not a landlord or anything, are you, no? No, I'm not, no. Okay. Okay. no. But, but again, too much interference, too much bureaucracy gets us in the place we are now. And, and if they brought back something simple like they did before where they'd buy a private house for somebody who, who's just under the threshold for the bank who can afford it, it would take them out of the rental market as well and they could become home, homeowners quite comfortably knowing <laughs> they have a set repayment, a set rent on the part of the house they don't own and buy it back at their as they can afford it. But the only thing that you can never control is the price of a new house that can be no, set by anybody. No, you can't, no. Yeah. So there's, no. There's but it no could be a second-hand house. It doesn't have to be, like, this long ago, that's what, they, they never bought new houses. It was all the second-hand yeah, houses, what yeah, they would have yeah. bought for someone. And you buy it back off them as you can. But way back in the day, there was very few people migrating into Ireland. Um, we were all migrating we're out all of leaving. Ireland. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> now it's the opposite. We have lots and lots of people coming here. We've got lots of big multinational companies setting up here um, that don't have to provide any accommodation, even though they're bringing in thousands and thousands of people to work in here. Um, and that's what's put the squeeze on the amount of housing and apartments that are available. So many people. Well, it is, but but again, that's a, a government issue. It's like they uh, they are they have to if they want multinational companies to come in here, they have to provide the infrastructure, they have to provide the housing, but they're not. So it, it, it's like they're putting the cart before the horse all the time, and they're constantly playing catch up. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no planning, no provision for what's coming, and both sides of it really. Yeah. Just, but yet, the, but yet the council. 
an IDA, as the texter here says, facilitated the expansion of Apple and gave them a huge amount of land. Imagine they're selling it to them up next to Apple that really should have gone for what? Building houses. Building houses. You know, so you but the, but you, you let Apple become bigger and bigger and bigger. No disrespect to Apple. And they employ more and more people. But nobody has to find them somewhere to live. But it, it's very congested up there as it is. And if you throw in more houses, are you making it worse? Because that's, they're all older housing housing estates with older roads. And like they're much narrower than what the newer ones are. So are you not better off to maybe expand out a bit? Rather than putting more into an already congested area, maybe. Like the, I mean, uh, they, won't, they won't expand out either. They're they're very slow to give planning beyond the city. Okay, okay. So political interference and too much regulation. Okay, thank you for that. No, completely. Thanks for that, Dan. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. I know you. Good. Thanks. What's on your mind? Which is, I don't know. Do you feel that all the anger that's in people this morning? I say it's all over the country this morning. Yeah, well, but, well, if you ask me, I, I've, I think things are getting worse every week that yeah, passes and every month that passes, worse and worse and worse. I mean, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to have, I wouldn't want to be rearing children now. Let me put it to you like that, my friend. I know it's what will come to the day where people have to get a house before they have children at all, you know, but that's hindsight talk. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you know, what, what, what the government, what will have to happen is there have to be a revolution here. It's as simple as that. A revolution of our thinking, or are you talking about the, an actual revolution? Yes, it'll have to happen. Bring all the homeless together. Those that's going to be tossed out in their head. Then I would like to see Sinn Féin leading it, lead their people, and march on the doll, and run them out of it. Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, the Greens, get them out of it. There'll be nothing sweeter than this evening, our fellow Ryan, getting on his bike and getting already out in a hurry. Because yeah. the, Irish, the, the Irish people are after being whipped, and now and I know they've been bled, which and people can't take no more of it. And you can feel it this morning. So you have a so you have a, you have a revolution, right? And you overthrow yes. the government, and you put yes. in bring the whole bring the whole country to a standstill. Who you put in then? Who who runs the country then? Sinn Féin will run it. Yeah. And then you'd have a mass exodus of big international companies who'd close up shop and you leg it. That's on, that's on, that's on, you'd, have every, you'd have every entrepreneur and person who wanted to start a business, take a risk, take a punt, legging it. No, they would not. They would not. Sinn Féin is leaders and they'd, they'd make a bloody well great job of it. That's, but that is what's needed. Yeah. To get, to, get to, that, needed. to get to that point, though, say you want to have this revolution where... This is a physical revolution you're talking about, right? No proper demonstration. They don't have to be physical at all. They don't have to get violent. A proper demonstration. Yeah, but it would get violent. You saw you saw what happened in America when Trump incited his supporters to uh, march on Capitol Hill. Well, I tell you what, it's needed in the dark. Get them out of it. They have to, have to be got out of it. They're up there. They're too smug. They've roofs over their head. They have cars waiting from outside. They're well protected. What's going to protect the, the, the ordinary person that's facing eviction? I mean, say the girls certainly don't want to get involved. Because down through history, obviously they had people too that were tough out long ago. Mm. They mm. certainly don't want to get involved. Yeah, but if you had people that marched on a doll where there would be elected, democratically elected people, you mightn't like them or not agree with them, you would have the Guardian involved. You would have the army involved. 
Well, that's what happens in the revolution, isn't it? All right. It's okay. needed. Okay. Okay, thanks for that. What a disgrace of a government. Our owner being thrown out onto the streets and the government is building modular homes for refugees. I'm sick to death with this government, says Mary Jane. Here's another one, actually. Uh, where the heck did I put that one this morning? I'll find it in a minute. Um, it's the priority of the government to take care of others before our own. Uh, the millions or even billions being spent on these foreigners should be put towards taking care of our own. There's a small terrace in Churchfield. Uh, well, I'm not going to name the different people and where they're from, but they're certainly not Irish. And they have people of all different nationalities, all living in the one small terrace in Churchfield. Um, which, which this Dexter police shouldn't be living in those homes at all. Uh, so where, what do you want to do with them? <laughs> uh, look at Sky News, um, because the refugees are costing too much. The English government, what they've decided to do is house the refugees in army camps, releasing the hotels so businesses can, can go back to becoming profitable businesses again. Could that work here for the Irish who are homeless? Put the refugees into army camps and let the businesses go back to becoming profitable, keep a portion of the businesses within hotels for the Irish who are about to become homeless. It's a disgrace that they lifted this eviction ban and knowingly sent thousands more people into homelessness, says uh, Martin Leahy. It's worth remembering that while Irish people are thinking about emigrating following eviction, others are coming here with hope of a new life. The government's plan to change the face of Ireland is forever unfolding. Uh, the government should be fecked out on their head. Uh, that poor lady, Niamh, if I had a house, I would give it to her myself. Oh, here, here's one. These are the ones that... I always find quite interesting because um, I remember dealing with this on the air uh, some years back, uh, texts like this. So uh, here's the text. Uh, Last week, I heard from a worker in a post office in Cork that a non-national came in to change a cheque for 30 grand. Yes, 30 grand. The worker in the post office then rang the name on the cheque, which was Cork City Council, to verify that the cheque was legit and was told that it was legit. It's to furnish her new dwelling. Checks can have a paper trail. This should be investigated. Can come on air. Check it out for yourself. I checked out those texts in the past um, and it would be, I imagine, impossible for, impossible for me to be able to prove uh, the figure of 30 grand. But I certainly was able to prove in the past that there were checks issued to people to help them to move into their new homes, to help them to furbish their new homes. I even spoke uh, with companies who took those checks um, and cashed them um, or people who came in with, with checks like that or with cash to buy furniture, to buy bedding, to buy carpets, to buy electrical appliances, and the checks were from uh, the council. 30 grand? Never heard of that amount. I certainly heard of two, three, and five. I even managed to find in the past, and this is going back some years now, quite an amount of years ago, uh, where there was a check to buy a motor car. But as to whether or not the 30 grand story that I'm hearing in the post office is true or not, I just don't know. Uh, text 0868104106, though, if you want to shed some light on it or get involved in the conversation. And joined by Councillor Mick Finn. Mick, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Firstly, um, to the carry-on in City Council last night, uh, it, it, it didn't get across the line anyway with regards to talking about the uh, eviction, uh, lifting of the eviction ban. It, the idea was to have a, an open forum public meeting so people could hear the council's mm. views on it, was it? Yeah, look, it was very frustrating. Um, we had a meeting in the previous week, uh, which was kind of an internal um, SPC meeting, which is called um, Strategic Policy Meeting. 
um, which is obviously only open to uh, councillors and members of that committee. So the idea was to have this meeting in public, uh, given the seriousness of the situation. And, you know, for many of us, you know, um, you, you know go, finishing work and trying to get into meetings on, on Mondays when it's not usually scheduled. We arrived last night and then to have the meeting uh, effectively cancelled. Um, you know, there was a vote on a motion to whether a motion could be heard or not, which, which to me was a separate issue. I mean, a special meeting was called illegitimately. Um, and then the, the the fact that the motion was added to it was the reason why they just... You wanted it to be in public, was it? Yeah, we wanted to be in public. Right. You know, members of the media can can attend, but also members of the public can attend either in person or watch it online. Yeah, uh, and you know, to get the information. Not very democratic to, to not allow that happen. I would think. Well, that's that's what we thought as well. We, and I mean, I was one of the, the twelve uh, who voted for it, and there was thirteen voted against it. I suppose it was unfortunate that a number of members, maybe of the smaller parties and the independent groupings, weren't in attendance for various reasons. Uh, but you know, I just felt that the meeting was shut down, and I mean. I know people would say that they thought the protocol uh, and procedures were followed. In my opinion, as a former mayor, I didn't think they were. I, I think, you know, while the motion was defeated about lifting the ban, we should still have had a substantial uh, meeting about, you know, um, outlining what's, what the council are doing and the issues that are going to come, come up because of the, the lifting of the ban. Mm. So I just, I feel the meeting was closed down. It was, it was basically the two main government parties um, towing a government line and, and sticking by it. And in fairness to the members of the Green Party, they voted for the motion to be heard. Yeah. And I think they were they were annoyed as well that the meeting didn't go ahead. Okay, okay. But the tw- but the thirteen that voted against what you wanted to happen in public were also members of the same party who voted to lift the eviction ban anyway. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So that's the, why the Lord was. Mayor Deirdre Ford said this is just political shenanigans. You knew this was going to happen anyway. Well, no, we didn't because, um, you know, the, the meeting, as I said, was, was a, we called for a public meeting. I mean, she, she may have described it as political shenanigans, but again, I think Dennis is towing a, a very uh, firm government line. I mean, if there had been another two members of the of the non-party, we'll say, or the smaller parties there, that meeting and that motion would have been debated. Um, you know, so um, I, I think, you know, you had a, a number of members of the Green Party, obviously, who in government voted to um, mm. to lift that ban. Uh, but there are plenty of other people who, 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 do, who don't agree with it, including myself. I just can't see the logic of it at all. Um, and, you know, when you hear people from Threshold saying that they've been inundated in the last week since the ban was lifted, I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, I mean I've been involved in local politics for, you know, the guts of 14 years, and I just can't understand why a ban is lifted. You contribute more to a problem that has been building over the last number of years yeah. without a parallel strategy in place. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea here was for City Council to debate it, you know, whether or not we would, you know, we would have a, a kind of... Um, uh, a decision would have been taken by council to, to, which we've already done, is ask the government to lift the ban. That has been, already been passed, as you say. Um, but I mean, this would have reaffirmed that. But how um, how does know. that work? If the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael councillors voted, uh, are members of a party that voted to have the eviction ban lifted, then why would the same councillors in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael also get on to their masters in Dáil Éireann telling them to reverse it? Like, what's going on? 
Yeah, but the, well, they didn't. Like, I suppose that originally when the vote went through council, there was uh, enough the opposition. Majority, yeah. Yes, and okay. the vast majority of the government parties actually either abstained or didn't vote for the ban to be lifted. Right. Okay. So like that. Yeah. So they kind of towed the line there, really. Yeah. Neil, so why can't we have councillors who stand up on their own two feet and tell everybody how they feel themselves? Yeah, and I suppose, look, that's a question. And I think, you know, a lot of times, as I've noticed in council over the years, you know, a good to me, a good idea is a good idea. And if you're an independent councillor, you can kind of vote either side of the of the house if it's a good idea. What happens really at local level, and it has been happening more in, the la- in this term of council, is that they have been kind of, you know, driving the government line in various issues. Um, so, you know... Um, so if the government voted, for instance, and I'm not saying this would happen, um, mm-hmm. that, that Cork Airport was no longer viable nor needed, that everybody would have to drive to Dublin to take a plane, and this yeah. was passed by the Dáil and the DAA were on board, you're telling me yeah. that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael councillors would accept that? They'd have to accept well, that? Well, certainly on the basis of what has been happening over the last number of months, I would say yes, that they would have to accept So they can't that. think on their own two feet about their own constituents in their own parish? Well, I suppose you'll have to ask them that, Neil, but I would think that certainly would be the, the way I would take it in, in, in recent um, in months because over time in council, you know, good ideas have come from, we say, our side of the house in terms of the non-party from Sinn Féin. And, and when it, because it comes from those areas, they're often um, refused or, you know... But that's, but that's um, childish. Vote, ...voted down. And then the interesting thing about it is that they can often come back then as proposals by uh, the government parties and be passed. You know, so that's what happens, I suppose, when you have, um, you know, a a, a majority of of, of parties in in a council or in government and they can just get things through and they can drive them through without necessarily maybe agreeing with them. But we need an end to that kind of hostility in local government. We need all of our councillors pulling together for the betterment of the city. I was making comparisons there between Cork City and Edinburgh, where I visited recently. We could be like Edinburgh if we had the right thinking and the right people in place to make the changes fundamental, the big changes that are needed. But yet if it's only bickering across a a council floor, it's, it's pointless. Yeah, and it doesn't always happen like that. But I think, you know, with, with elections on the horizon, like local elections next year and, and, you know, a general election within the next two years, it tends to kind of revert to, to type a bit. Uh, I remember in the in the previous council, it was much more representative in that, you know, that there was members of Sinn Féin, independent members like myself were involved in the decision-making. But then what happens when the numbers uh, skew or when the numbers are right for a majority, you know, it tends then to be the majority view uh, rather than, you know, all views. Did you um, ever did you ever vote for anything in council that was put forward by Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil as an example that you thought was a good idea? Yeah, I would have had, and I would have voted for, uh, you know, for uh, in the motions by Ted Tynan with the Workers' Party, with Fiona Ryan for solidarity. If I think it's a good idea, and I think it's a reasonable and common sense idea, I, it, it doesn't matter to me where it comes from. Right. Uh, but that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen, you know, across the board. And I think if the government parties aren't happy with it, or if they, it's something that's you know that they're not overly uh, agree with, they just tend to vote it down, and they have the number. Even if it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's why, you know, the people on our side of the house, you know, said we, we watch things, you know, I remember Thomas Maloney, Councillor Thomas Maloney, who proposed this motion, often saying that he'd go into a, a council debate and wait to hear the debate before ultimately deciding on which way to vote, mm. which I think is, you know, is, is a reasonable approach. Mm. Um, but, then, you know, I think... Is it, there it, a consequence it, for somebody not towing the party line, do you think? Um, yeah, as you see, I'm not... I'm, uh, <laughs> 
there, there could well be. Um, I don't think there's a, there's an, an immediate consequence unless you're in government. Obviously, you could lose a, the, the party whip or you could lose your, your party place as happened, as happened to Nasa Horrigan in, in the vote on the dial. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think there's a, there's a kind of a, a, an overt... Um, you know, issue for councillors voting, but I'd imagine that they do it on block for certain things which are major government policies, and that was certainly the case last night. Okay, all right. And you believe that they have signed their electoral death warrant? That's your quote on that. Well, yeah, I suppose, you know, I, I think when it comes to it, and I, I have no doubt that the government parties will lose seats in the local elections and the national elections, and I think it's issues like this, and it's the kind of intransigence of not being able to, as you say, vote with your conscience and vote for what's going to write. And I think that will ultimately come back to haunt them um, in, the, in the next two elections. Councillor McFinn, thank you for taking the call. McFinn, Independent Councillor, Cork City, South Central. Couldn't agree with you more about Cork City and the state it's been allowed to go into, Neil, says Anna. I was in the queue in Dublin Airport last week and I overheard an American tourist telling someone that they felt they wasted two days of their tour of Ireland in Cork City. He said he wouldn't recommend it to anyone. It was unremarkable with nothing much going on. I was going to interrupt him and defend it, but I actually had to agree with him. Patrick Street, as an example, is disgraceful. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Right, just a few texts on different things. Back to the phone lines. Uh, Do you see any begging in Scotland? Did you see anybody availing of penny dinners in Edinburgh? I don't know anything about whether or not there's an equivalent to uh, penny dinners in uh, Edinburgh. I did see one uh, in the days that I were there, one chap who was on the street begging. um, and The same sign up there saying, I need to make 18 euro for a bed tonight. And he was was doing his thing and he had his... uh, his little box there, uh, but just the one. Uh, I'm currently living in Edinburgh. I'm from Cork originally, and I've lived here for just over eight years. And every time I head into the city, I'm still blown away by its history, its architecture, and its scenery. Um, this is Edinburgh. The city has everything you need, bars, cafes, fantastic restaurants, and lots more. I love and miss Cork. It has so much potential to be a thriving city like Edinburgh like Cork was back in the 90s and perhaps the noughties. That somebody's actually from Cork, but living there and has been there eight years. Uh, we were in Edinburgh last week. I had a great weekend. Prices much the same as here. Cork is turning into a dump. Yeah, there's no difference in prices, to be quite honest with you. They're pretty much the same. Uh, cronyism is the problem. Scotland is very progressive and open-minded. Uh, they just elected a Muslim prime minister. Uh, can you imagine what's happening here? We need to have a media that really holds our lawmakers to account. We have none of that, including yourself. Thank you. Anytime someone new, like a a car-free city centre, is suggested, it's met with opposition. So nothing really will ever change in Cork. Thank you for those. Keep them coming. Text 0868-104-106. Back to the phone lines, but we don't get to today. I'll pick up on tomorrow. Tom, good morning. Morning. Uh, Somebody correctly reminding me, actually, of the people who... uh, um, made all of the changes back in the day. I was talking to Rachel and we were talking about they they banned bedsits. Texter here says the they that you're referring to was actually the Labour Party. They were responsible for that. They also introduced water charges, charges for taxi drivers, and they made our planning laws so difficult that they couldn't be followed. Um, that kind of leads you into water charges, doesn't it? 
Well, uh, well, it, it does, yeah, with the water charge there. You only use as an example of how the government can be made to use them. Like, if, if the will of the people are there. Mm. Mm. You know? Now, not alone did the party introduce water charges, but Kelly, at the time, the leader of the Labour Party, as I can remember, yeah. signed away a waiver to water charges mm. Mm. that we have been granted at uh, our entry into the EU. Mm. But anyway, the, 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 okay, that's you. Yeah. You went that, to the. You that, went that, to the. That, if that, I remember correctly, you went problem. to the protests, didn't you? No. What I said. What I said. What I said is that there's no united front. There's going to be no united front against these evictions, right? Like that was against the, the water charges. Mm. No. To the eye, it was a united front, but in the background behind the scenes there was more division in the water charges than I've ever seen in anything in my whole life. I've attended, I attended every single meeting. I went to everything that was put on, like the Detroit water water while I was blown, Silver Springs and where and was the that. division then? Who was against us? The, uh, no, no, the division was between the factions that were fighting it. And why would they divide it if they were all fighting for the same goal? Well, no, they were, they were all fighting for the same goal, but they weren't fighting together. Like when one one crowd would have, one, one crowd would have their meeting, their, their, their protest, which they done by the National Monument, ASAP by the National Monument, to be boycotted by another group. And it was only on the very last day, the very last day, the November day, when we walked through the rain, and one of the... I believe Fingale Council told us that we should bring buckets for us to collect the water. McGonagall was our name. And um, it was only on that day that you had a totally united front where everybody marched mm. together. Yeah. Every group marched together. Yeah. So is that an example so, of people power working? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Listen, the water child, uh, the, the opposition against the water child was started down here by a small group from the Ballyfehan South Parish area, yeah. right? But the fight was carried above in Dublin, right into the marshes above in Dublin, where you had 150, 200,000 people marching. You see the French, you see how the French do things. They're, they're, there's blue murder in France now because they want to increase the retirement age. Uh, I think it's 52 at the moment and the French won't have it. And they're absolutely livid about it. They they really do turn up the heat, French people, don't they? Well, I, I, I've seen it in their great reason. I thought uh, it was really good. We, we make vodka, uh, vodka cocktails, they make Molotov cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not suggesting that that should happen, but they, they do take to the streets a lot more they do, yeah. and they, yeah. they seem yeah. to protest stronger in bigger yeah. groups. I don't know if there's anything planned in the city tomorrow. I walk over towards the National Monument every Saturday around half as one or two o'clock to see what's going on yeah. who's still protesting or marching or whatever. Like yeah. I do that every week. And um, I don't know if there's anything planned tomorrow. But like, if you take a walk down Patrick Street tomorrow and down onto the Grand Parade, you'll see the different what I would call more radical groups of people 
all doing their own thing. Mm. But that, you know, I know I know you've mentioned tomorrow, but tomorrow's Wednesday. You're saying that would be typically on a Saturday. No, you see, that's the reason why, that's the reason why we have the debacle that you had inside in the uh, city hall uh, there, because they're able to get away with doing things like that. Like, and another thing is that everything seems to be now at the moment geared, and I think the media now is to be is to play a monopoly for this. It's the very fact that the people who are coming into this country are very blamed from the ho- for the housing problem, right? The refugees are being blamed for the housing problem. Long before there was a war in Ukraine, we had a, we, we had a serious housing problem here in Ireland. It's not new, right? You even had Tico Miko there one time saying, it's not our problem, we inherited it. Now, who did they inherit it from? The British? Because it's only been Fine Gael or Fine Fard, mm. so who, who, who did they inherit it from? Yeah. There's a coalition government and they inherited the whole well, thing. Well, they've never been up until now in, in government together, so Fianna Fáil would blame Fine Gael, Fine Gael would blame Fianna Fáil, but picking up the... You know, well, they no, pick up the uh, band no, from each other. Is, so that's what that would be. That's the reason they say that. No, this is yeah. a concept of a statement that I made. We inherited it. Yeah, that I'm explaining that. that to you. I'm explaining. Fianna Fáil yeah. would say it when they get back into power about the outgoing Fianna Gael government and vice versa. Easy for them to say. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I know that. I've been following politics for the last 60 odd years. So I know exactly what's, what's going on here. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, they, Somebody sent me a text there this morning saying, I don't have it in front of me now, saying uh, that they had a copy of a 1977 Fianna Fáil manifesto promise. Elect us in 77, we will abolish motor tax. Another, that's right. another lie. Yeah. Another lie. But, but it was abolished one time. It's not abolished now. It wasn't abolished. No, if it's it's, back. It's no not, car tax not, after yeah. August 77 if you vote Fianna Fáil. Yeah. Lies. But, uh, yeah. but uh, like, what, what happened here, if you, if you take it now, 30 odd years ago, well, actually, nearly 40 years ago now, I was living in a flat in Mayfield, one of the, uh, the NBA flats. And I got a house because my wife was expecting twins at the time. I got a house outside in Colorado Estate in Bishopstone. Some of the finest houses, the most beautiful houses that were ever built by the corporation. And I got the house and I was living in the house for, let's say, about seven years, six years. And the government came up with a scheme that if you were to surrender a local authority house to buy your own house, you would get an environmental grant. And did that 5, happen? 5,000 pounds. It certainly did happen. Big money then, yeah. 5,000 pounds, right? We looked at, we were at the time looking at buying the house that we were living in because they said they were superior to any other house that was built in Cork at the time. We were looking at the buying, but it would have cost us over 30,000 pounds to buy the corporation okay. house at the time. Yeah. So we moved out into the private market and I bought a house outside in Ballancolic where I'm living now to this day. But that 5,000 
pound environmental grant at the time was a quarter of the price of my house. So they provided five, you divvied up 15 and a mortgage and off you went? Yes. Okay, okay. Well, I didn't actually know, I didn't even have to do that because I had 10 grand myself. Okay, okay. So I got a mortgage for five grand off of the of the county council. Okay, all right, okay. Well, that was back in the so, day. Those They don't exist yeah. now. They gave me 25%, uh, 25% of my house to go over and buy it, yeah. which surrendered the house for someone else and cut down on But there's none of that now because they're not building houses now. Yeah, yeah, that's Obviously, the point. All you see for high-rise apartments. But what's wrong? I don't understand. What would be wrong with big high-rise apartments in a I, city? I didn't say there's anything wrong with them. They were built for... They were built for people to live in but they're not they're not double for student accommodation well that's true Listen, yeah. I, I was amazed I was amazed the first time the first time and probably about six years or seven years gotta move on so we're gonna have to wrap it Tom go ahead quick okay okay look we'll wrap it and live go that alright okay, I, okay. Don't mean to, I don't mean to cut you short just have a lot of other no, questions no no you're okay you're, you're, you. you're, you're okay. tight to time okay thank That's you for fine. that much obliged back after the break text 0868104106 call the Neil Prenderville show now 0818 Red FM okay time to wrap it up guys and pick it up in the morning I was telling you earlier this morning about Mandeville Place out in Paula Duff right these are um, 11 apartments in the city's south side 5 1 bedroom units and 6 2 bedroom units. They are for people who need to right size. We used to say downsize, but they use the term right size. Now, you might be in a three bed or a four bed. The idea is that you give that up and you move to a smaller property like these ones. They're sitting there like, is it like nine months after the ribbon was cut? They're still sitting there trying to coax people into them, you know, give up a bigger property and to downsize. Somebody says, one of my friends is begging to give up her three bedroom house in the Toker area for at least three years. She broke her hip and is trying to find a ground floor property. Can't come on air, but a councillor even made inquiries over two years ago for her. I've been told by him that a lot of people are trying to downsize but find it extremely difficult. So left hand and right hand, you just wouldn't know. As a landlord myself, it is misleading for you to say that landlords who are evicting tenants to sell their assets are contributing to the homeless crisis because in the majority of cases, the house is then sold to an owner-occupier, providing a home to someone who's in need. Therefore, the homeless figures should be static as it's just one out and one in. It is years of government messing with the property system that has led to the homeless problem, not small landlords. And I suppose bear in mind that the vast majority of landlords in Ireland are mum and dad landlords, or they might be single landlords, they might have just one or perhaps two properties. How many in the government have rental properties and voted for the ban to be lifted? Ask that question. Anyone in government who has property should not have had a vote to lift the ban. Just goes to show our government is only thinking of themselves and not the people. For a wealthy country like ours, it's an absolute disgrace to see this happening to people. And one or two more. You need to cop yourself on. You know, as well as I do, that the Garda's role is not to forcibly remove tenants. Their sole role is to prevent breaches of the peace in such situations, says Mags. Well, you can criticise me all you want. I never said that it was the Garda's role to forcibly remove tenants. I asked to have it clarified to me whether or not the Garda would be attending an eviction where somebody was being removed. 
I didn't say that I knew in any way, shape or form that they would physically be part of the removal of the tenant. Bob says, Gardaí are present to keep the peace? Question mark. And John hit the nail on the head. The Gardaí are there to protect the people, not evict children. It's about time we had an election and that a woman gets to lead this country for a change. It is time for that change. Men have been running this country and look what they've done to it. It's about time a woman gets a chance to do it, says Garode. And you know, there's an incredible amount of sense in that, isn't it? It's not, it, it shouldn't be about whether you're male or female. It's about whether or not you have the capacity to do the job well. But I understand what you mean. In 101 years, we have only men at the top of the power tree. And maybe that is a time for change. This is not me electioneering in any way, shape or form um, because the numbers don't even stack up for Sinn Féin at the moment. They really don't. If you could get Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and the Greens and a handful of independents and maybe even Solidarity and people like that to come together, that would keep Sinn Féin out. Whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. Have a good day. We'll pick it up in the morning. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.